Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband, and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we're recording live from the Pikmin Inn discussing the 1994 supernatural horror film In the Mouth of Madness. This film was directed by John Carpenter and written by Michael DeLuca. In the Mouth of Madness serves as the final installment in John Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy, following The Thing and Prince of Darkness. In the Mouth of Madness takes influence from H.P. Lovecraft and Stephen King and mixes it with themes of reality and the unimaginable. After all the twists and turns, this film leaves you wondering what exactly you just watched. So, what did you guys think of In the Mouth of Madness the first time you saw it? I remember watching this movie a long time ago, and I was very confused. <laughs> I still feel the same way. Yes. But I also loved this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking all over the place. But it, I'm not even going to say that it makes sense, because I still don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but it, uh, it's, it's, a, it's really good in the clusterfuck that it is. I think that's very fair. I mean, I really enjoy this movie possibly because of how weird it is yeah <laughs> like the the guts to just swing for the fences oh, yeah. <laughs> on some of the shit they do because it gets to a point where you i feel like john carpenter's just like i'm gonna just show them some freaky yeah. shit yeah. like because it doesn't even make complete sense no. not even thematically sometimes <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i just feel like it's it's a lot of interesting ideas cool set pieces like it's just very mm. creative oh yeah and sam neill of yeah. course yeah that's what I wanted to say, because if not for his commitment and his mm -hmm. I know we've talked about this before with like William Cat in house or yeah. John Cusack in 1408 that like it would fall apart if not for literally giving every ounce yeah, of yourself. Yeah. And yeah. he gives oh, yeah. <laughs> every ounce <laughs> of himself. the way that the movie is, I don't think he had a choice. Yeah, like, no. you have to. Yeah. Like you said, if you don't, this is not going to be no. that good. I also, I mean, he did this, and then three years later, he did Event Horizon. Yes. <laughs> so I just, I, I just love him. He enjoyed it. Yeah. He did. I want to like, stay doing these. More yeah. freaky shit. It's like, what if we did this, but in space? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, I love this movie, too. Um, I do want to say I had a cold, and I'm fine now, but my voice sounds weird. So if it sounds weird, that's why it sounds weird. Um, no, I love this movie like you guys said even though there are some moments where it's like now hold on uh -huh. but yeah i mean i think the performance is really good <laughs> i think the story is really good there are some moments that are laughable that probably weren't meant to be laughable. <laughs> see i'm not and i'm just, not sure yeah you're right <laughs> that's the thing maybe they were um <laughs> i don't know but it, to me all of it adds like we were talking uh the other day about um overdubbing on some of the yes, <laughs> good Lord. Some of the lines and it's like why did y'all do that but it also <laughs> just adds to yeah. this like what the fuck is happening like what is this it's very surreal very yeah and they do ask us to accept a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i mean you gotta respect it again this feels unlike anything you've really seen oh, at this yeah. time. Like, I can't even imagine going to the theater in 94 and seeing In the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> yeah. Because it's so weird. It's just so strange. And I know the term is Lovecraftian. Right. And yeah. up until yesterday, I did not even really know what that meant. Yeah. I decided to finally do some research on the definition of it because I'm like, I know what it is. Right. It's like, what the fuck was it? 
whenever they <laughs> i think i learned this in media law they were talking about indecency mm-hmm. and they were like well how do you know when something's indecent and they were like you'll know when you see it <laughs> so that's how i feel about lovecraftian because yeah. i'm like we watch the mist yeah we're like this is lovecraftian what does that mean i have no yeah. idea <laughs> The monsters, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's, it, that's yeah. how I interpret it. It's freaky shit. Yeah, monsters. pretty much. <laughs> I, I looked it up because uh, Wikipedia and Sarah S. Davis, the writer, mm-hmm. they say cosmic horror is like a synonym for it. Oh, all right. I think they started using it more because Lovecraft was a racist piece of shit. Right. And like, Let's not put his name yeah. on everything. <laughs> yeah, I know. He was. That's the thing. It's like, I understand what he did for horror in the genre mm-hmm. and still does, honestly. Uh-huh. Like, um, I know a lot of people didn't like Lovecraft Country. I did. Yeah, I thought it was I good. Mean, yeah. um, I started it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that he was very influential and it's still being felt today. Mm-hmm. But I think a conversation that a lot of people aren't ready to have is that he was racist as oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like it, uh, you need a new word. Like, like yeah. racist doesn't <laughs> even really cover it. No, it's Jeez. pretty tough. Like, no, it's bad. Some of the shit that he said and wrote. It's bad. Yeah. But cosmic horror. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's basically the fear of the unknowable and right. like non-human influences. This is a direct quote. Right. Fate, reality, inevitability, religion, superstition, otherworldly shit. Well, where do the monsters come in in that? Otherworldly other shit. Otherworldly shit. <laughs> <laughs> But the funny thing is that there's actually a Lovecraft book called At the Mountains of Madness. Yeah. Uh, and I imagine that maybe they might have heard that. Right. right. At some point. <laughs> maybe. Where I don't know where you got that idea, oh, no. but probably. Yeah. No, I mean, there's times where they're reading from books and it's they're literally reading Lovecraft. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. I mean, it's so heavily influenced, obviously, but we cannot... Mm. discount how much yeah. Stephen King is oh, in this. Yeah. Dude, it's hilarious <laughs> to me. I love that he gets name dropped. Yes, oh yeah. They had to. Because it's the elephant in the room. <laughs> well yeah. It's like <laughs> you gotta do it. I just had two quick things. I thought that it's very interesting that it's kind of like a loose trilogy. Mm-hmm. The Apocalypse yeah. trilogy. And when you look at it, literally all three of the films, The Thing, Prince of Darkness, and The Mouth of Madness, they all deal with a thing that has the potential to unmake the world. Mm -hmm. Right. And oddly, a thing that is contagious. Huh. Oh, no, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of, I don't want to say very timely. Uh, (laughs) You know. (laughs) But I mean, I don't know how to finish that (laughs) sentence. But to end on a lighter note, um, I want to talk about Michael DeLuca, who wrote this film. Mm Mm-hmm. He actually wrote this, I think, in the 80s, and I read that he had approached Carpenter to direct it back then, yeah. but he wasn't interested. And They so, weren't ready for this. No, no. Not back then. <laughs> he becomes, I think, the president of production for New Line Cinema in, yeah. in like 1993, and then in 94, this is made. So yeah. he's like, "We're I got a great idea yeah. <laughs> for, for the first feature, my movie. Well, shit. Well, I'm glad he did. Yes. Yeah. But he, I think he's the the chairman of MGM now. Damn. And he's like Oscar nominated producer yeah, and all this yeah. shit. What a life. But he's got In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah. yeah. In, his in his brain. Back pocket, yeah. yeah. Now, before we investigate this film's claims, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast. And in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's read on. So the film opens as we see hundreds of book jackets being printed. 
the theme for the film <laughs> in the mouth of madness plays and i want to be very clear that this is not the halloween theme or yeah. anything close to it um think metallica definitely think yeah. Metallica. I was like, yeah. <laughs> the movie started and i was like he usually does his own score yeah. and i looked it up and i was like wait <laughs> <laughs> I literally could not believe that this was him. Yeah. yeah, dude. It literally sounds like they got Metallica to do no, the thing for the like or was, they listened to yeah. Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was laughing. I have the reason for that. Please. All right. I read in Bloody Disgusting that he wanted to use Inter Sandman. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> but well we talked about it on Talk Mortem. Like Metallica doesn't didn't yeah, let people they don't, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they didn't till, let people use their shit. Till Paradise Lost. Yeah. yeah. And so it was either that or a rights issue, but they couldn't. <laughs> but he's like, I know what sound I want. Yeah. And so Metallica. he's like, let's just do <laughs> Let's just do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, then we were completely right. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> literally, could. as soon as I heard it, yeah. I was like, "Is that fucking Metallica?" Even the drums, I was like, "This is." Yeah, and the more it went on, I was like, "That's not Metallica." I was like, no. What the fuck? I was just laughing because I was so sure that this was not him, but it no. absolutely is. I think it was him and a guy called Jim Lang. Just so funny. Yeah. Well, good job. Yeah. Right? No, it's good. <laughs> yeah. As always. And all the rest of the music is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. And it's much more Carpenter. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> but once the opening wraps up, we see the books being stacked into boxes. The books are called The Hobbs and Horror by Sutter Kane. No, what was that name? Yeah. Is that? <laughs> I did say Sutter Kane, okay. not Stephen King. I thought King. you said Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> but on the back of the Hobbs and Horror, a new book is teased, and this book is called In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah. Very good. Foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was funny, it's just random, but all the barcodes are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, yeah. nine. <laughs> and it just made me laugh. But I learned on commentary that this was shot in a real printing factory in Toronto. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. Like they actually got them to print these fake book jackets. And I think the majority, if not all of the film was shot in Toronto. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. And it doubles for New York pretty yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, it does. But we cut to an ambulance, sirens blaring, speeding down the street. Inside the hospital, Sapperstein, played by John Glover, confirms on the phone that someone has finished being admitted, and he says for the person to be brought in. They said on commentary that this was actually a water reclamation plant. Uh, I mean, it, it, it looks a little yeah. industrial. It's very official. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think the interiors were also... It's only later that it switches to a set. Like yeah. they, This That's is the real... Funny. Oh, wow. And it honestly looks frightening yeah no it looks horrible on the inside i'm like yeah. i don't yeah. want to be here no but sapperstein goes to the circulation desk with the rest of the people in white coats and two orderlies bring in john trent played by sam neal the one and only <laughs> yeah he's literally being dragged in wearing a straight jacket already once sapperstein tells them which room to take john room nine john attacks getting away from one orderly and hitting the other one in the face. After kicking the second orderly in the balls for good measure, they take control of John again and drag him down the hall. Am I just like ignorant when it comes to straight jackets? But did you know they hooked underneath like that? <laughs> That's what you were focusing yeah. on? Well, I thought it was strange. <laughs> I thought it was in the back. No, it's like under like, it's like a little carriage. 
Oh, well, no, yeah, but I'm saying I thought everything hooked up in the back. I thought so, yeah. But it's, a it's jacket. underneath? I, I've never worn a jacket. No. Yeah. <laughs> that cradled me. No, not yet. Not, whoa. <laughs> um, before we move on, and I know we've been, or I think we've been asked to cover Gremlins 2, but yeah. Saperstein is in Gremlins oh, 2. Oh, my God. He's <laughs> like, so it's this fantastic. is the bridge. <laughs> yeah, so this is how we make the leap. <laughs> Noted. But they throw John into a padded room with nothing but a soft place on the floor to sleep and a bucket inside. I'm like, a bucket? Yeah, this yeah. is... Uh, he can't even take his pants off. He's in a fucking yeah, straight jacket. Oh, yeah, that's like, true. This is, this is flawed. Yeah. And as we establish, he's hooked underneath. Yeah. He's hooked <laughs> underneath. But they leave him in there and he apologizes for kicking the orderly in the balls saying it was just a lucky shot. And I don't know, like he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't hide his accent for the rest no, of the film. Yeah. But here he's like, sorry about the balls. Yeah. <laughs> Why is he talking? Like it's like, that? are you supposed to be from Brooklyn? Yeah. And then he just gave up. a lucky shot, that's all. <laughs> you guys want to play stickball? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? But then the rest of the movie, he's himself. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was Maybe funny. they film this and they're like, you know what? Never mind. Yeah, like, just drop it, drop <laughs> it. Yeah. We don't have time to refilm the yeah. beginning, but no, no more. From this point forward. No more, Sam. But as the orderlies leave, one of them limping, John screams for them to wait. In his room, he calls out that he's not insane, but this only causes the rest of the patients in the other rooms to be like, yeah, neither am I. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I believe him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad in situations because this happens all the time. Yeah. Like yeah, in, yeah. In prison movies where they're like, but I'm innocent. And they're like, you know yeah, what? I'm innocent. Yeah. Too. It's like, Put guys, down guys, pipe yeah. down. <laughs> I'm actually not crazy. I did read that one of the patients that's like, yeah, me neither, is John Carpenter. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> that is fantastic. But in response, Saperstein just turns up the Carpenters we've only just begun on the speakers. And tell me if I'm like way off base here. Mm -hmm. But and I know that this is a huge connection because the song played such a big role in 1408. I was going to say mm -hmm. that was my only I note. see a lot of <laughs> um, inspiration. Oh, no. Yeah. Was it just me? No, I. Yeah. All right. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you expect more of a debate or an yeah. argument? Like, maybe that's uh, bullshit. Explain yeah. yourself. Yeah. No. I, I took notes. No, we all totally agreed. <laughs> okay, You'd like, I prepared a PowerPoint, yeah. <laughs> but I guess it's not necessary now. <laughs> I usually have to defend my... Okay, good. No, I did also want to point out the note that I had for that is this is... We've only just begun by the Carpenters. The film's directed yeah. by John Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. Is this this film gets meta as fuck? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yes. I'm like, is this the first taste? Right, right. And why is he so mad? He's like, not the, oh, Carpenter. the Carpenters. Yeah. <laughs> you just got here. Were they playing it in the car on the way here? Well, <laughs> like, maybe he doesn't like the Carpenters. I guess no. not. Yeah. Bad taste. Yeah. But the other patients start singing along with the. I don't know if it was Muzak. But they were like, oh, hell yeah. Like, yeah, they were yeah. happy, but he wasn't. Isn't it weird how Jennifer's body begins the same way? <laughs> Holy shit, dude. You're right. I, I just hate realized. this fucking song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but suddenly, though, the music is shut off and the lights, of the <laughs> even him kicking the orderly. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> Sorry. That's really weird. <laughs> the music is shut off and the lights in his room start to flicker. Someone knocks on the glass window of his room and we see the hand. But when John looks outside to investigate, no one's there. As he looks outside, though, a shadowed figure walks up behind him inside his cell. Yeah. 
I at first I was like, is the staff just fucking with him? <laughs> <laughs> like new meat, new meat. <laughs> like what the fuck? John turns around and doesn't even seem surprised to see someone in his cell. Only muses that this is a rotten way to end it. The voice replies to him that this isn't the end. He hasn't read it yet. The hand comes back to the window only to crash through it and break it. John screams as we get images of blood, someone chopping something with an axe, a huge palatial building, someone Mm. on a bike, a crazed man holding an axe, and John laughing maniacally. Mm -hmm. Now in his room, he drops onto the bed screaming, but once he stops, he sees that everything is gone. So just a couple notes here. Mm -hmm. First of all, this will all make sense later. Yeah. <laughs> I say well, that, but not yeah. really. <laughs> Maybe not all of it. We're being real loose with sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But the other thing that I wanted to point out was that the glass that shattered, mm-hmm. I heard on commentary that it actually cut the back of Sam Neill's neck. Oh my God. It was real glass? It was. I think it was breakaway glass, because oh, otherwise that guy's hand would have been yeah. shredded. <laughs> 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 but uh, it cut him, and apparently, now this might come as a, su- a surprise, he was not happy about it. No. <laughs> no well, way. Yeah, it shit happens, man. Come on. It's part of the, yeah. you know. Sometimes you get your next slice yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it was bad, I can understand. But if it was like, oh, the hell was that? (laughs) He just storms off. It's like, Sam. Jurassic Park was never like this. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, this was before or after? 94. When was Jurassic Park? I don't know. Was it 93? Oh, right. Was it right before? Because I know Jurassic Park's really old. And I know we're going off topic here. (laughs) But it's Sam Neill. So it's, it's... well, I, I still connected. I do want to say. All right, good. Ah, all right. <laughs> I, I do. Uh, the fact that I was born in '91, I do take offense to you saying '93 is really old. <laughs> it's old as fuck. And you guys were born before me, yeah. so well, <laughs> I apologize to yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've come to terms. <laughs> and I realized I said new meat earlier. I think the term is fresh meat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's Not ever said it. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you call out new meat, you might start getting bullied. Yeah, like, <laughs> They're like, hey, what, what the fuck like, are you talking what? about? What is Todd saying? Yeah. <laughs> is he a cannibal? Yeah. <laughs> but that night, as it storms outside, Sapperstein greets Dr. Wren, played by David Warner, asking him how he got here so fast when John was only admitted this afternoon. David Warner from The Omen. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. You remember? Yeah. And also scream too for a little bit. Well, yeah, <laughs> briefly. But nobody calls that out for him. <laughs> Dr. Wren explains that they've been monitoring all police and hospital admissions, looking for someone who fits the symptoms, and John does. Saperstein asks if Dr. Wren thinks John is one of them, and Dr. Wren simply says that that's what he's here to find out. Saperstein just says that things must have gotten really bad if they're bringing them in. And Dr. Wren's just like, look, has he asked for anything? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what, uh, guys like us. It's like, stop. Yeah, yeah. I've never met you before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my thing is that from here, it seems like the story's just getting bigger. Yeah. Right, right. It's enough that he's having these weird ass visions mm-hmm. in the room. Uh-huh. But now other people are. Yeah. And they're fucking, is he a G man? I don't know what. Yeah. I don't know. Because <laughs> they're like, people like you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. So I was like, I don't know. But it's big. Yeah. But Saperstein says that John's only made one request a single black crayon. He opens the door to John's cell and sets up a chair for Dr. Wren inside. The once clean padded room is now completely covered in crosses of different sizes and designs. And John's been here like a few hours. So he's been fucking yeah. working. And really high too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was standing yeah, on the bucket. How did he get all I don't that know how he did that. On the poop bucket. Oh. <laughs> 
But John is still continuing to add more to the walls, even as Dr. Ren comes inside. When he finally turns around, John is covered in crosses too. His clothes, his arms, his face. Dr. Ren tells him he's going to try to get him out of here, but John just laughs. And he's like, after all the redecorating, I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. He's like, I finally made it my own. Right. <laughs> like, fuck that, I'm not leaving. This yeah. is my vibe. <laughs> so with the crayon markings on his face and shit, it feels like a primer for Event Horizon. Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Like, it's like Event Horizon Junior. Yeah. <laughs> or I guess Senior, it did come before. Yeah. <laughs> but Dr. N says a guard with swollen testicles is pretty sure that John wanted to get out of here. And John's like, well, I changed my mind. <laughs> did he tell him that? Yeah. yeah. So, dude, my balls are bumping. Yeah. But I'm like 99% sure he's done. He really didn't want to go in <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> Dr. Ren says that the crosses are a nice touch. It's almost as if they'd have to keep him here if they came in and saw these. When he said that, I was like, what's going on outside that Mm -hmm. he thinks John would rather stay in here? Oh, yeah. That's even scarier. Yeah. John ignores this and just asks for a cigarette. Dr. Ren obliges as the storm continues to rage outside. As he lights John's cigarette, John presumes that he's here to learn about his them. Every paranoid schizophrenic has one, a them, a they, an it, and Dr. Ren wants to know about his. Dr. Ren says he just wants to know how John ended up here. John takes a drag off his cigarette and with a sly smile asks him if things are turning to shit out there. Dr. Ren tries to redirect the conversation back to John and he lets it happen. John sits down as he tells Dr. Ren that he was a freelance insurance investigator who investigated fraud. Lately, he was working for a firm here, and this all started with the disappearance of Sutter Kane. Now, are you going to giggle every time I say Sutter Kane? I think I have to. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed at this point, we're barely 10 minutes in. Oh, yeah. And then the mystery is like, here we go. Yeah. I was like, I'm for this already. He's like, let's. This is what, when, when I started working on this, yeah. I was like, this is only an hour and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, just thinking about everything that's jammed into this, like, no time oh, is yeah. wasted. No time is wasted. It's honestly surprising that it's only 90. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, so much. But like you said, we're already getting to the meat of where it all started and we're 10 right. minutes in. Well, so it's like I wanted to know and then I paused it and I was like, fuck, this is it was like nine and fifty something seconds. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah. we're barely <laughs> ten minutes in and yeah. we're already like had all this shit happen. And, and he's like, let me tell you yeah. where it started. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the thing too, is that I did not remember this movie being one of those. I bet you're wondering how yeah. I <laughs> ended up. <laughs> The yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like him kicking him in the balls yeah. <laughs> i bet you're wondering like i did not remember that at all yeah. but i think it's really smart because you're already engaged because you're like what the fuck oh, is yeah. going on yeah yeah and now we're about to find out kind of right <laughs> as john takes a drag off his cigarette we cut to an office where mr paul played by peter jason is holding a cigarette to his mouth and john lights it for him uh, Peter Jason was in Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness, yeah. I was like, oh, like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. Yeah, like, oh. uh, <laughs> it's funny because I think he also took the cinematographer from Prince of Darkness. Uh, it that's was uh, great. Gary B. Kibbe. He, I think he became like Carpenter's dude after him and Gundy stopped working together. Well, I mean, he does good work. He uh. does. Across the desk from them sits Robinson, played by Bernie Casey. Mr. Paul is very sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> and seems anxious as he says he took care of all the paperwork and the check should have been here three weeks ago. John coolly tells him that that's usually the case, but he still has some questions to ask about the fire. 
Mr. Paul starts to protest, but John calmly explains that Robinson owns the company and he hired John to make sure that everything goes smoothly. And Robinson thinks that Mr. Paul burned down his own warehouse. So I want to say I'm loving this neo-noir. Yeah. For sure. Like the smoky atmosphere. Yeah. The fucking wood office and the photos. It just feels very noir. And another thing that I really like about this is the like juxtaposition of how we meet John Uh versus how John was in the real world. Mm -hmm. Cause he's making this dude like this dude is sweating his fucking ass off and he's just like, no man, like it's cool. Like what's really going on? Like, I mean, he's very like even and calm and cool. So, well, and he also has a New Zealand accent now. (laughs) He's no longer from Brooklyn. He's not from Brooklyn anymore. (laughs) But yeah, dude looks guilty as fuck. Yes. He's like, speaking of fire, it's hotter than a $2 (laughs) pistol in here. (laughs) How, how cool and hard would that be to Hmm. do that shit? It'd be hard. Like catch people for fraud and all that. That'd be hard. I feel like in its own way, it would be pretty fun. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it would be fun, but then having to track people down, Mm -hmm. do this, and then go back and check that and then you know what i mean just that's a lot of shit i bet i think this would be the fun part yeah like having all the stuff hire out <laughs> yeah have them do all the, the, <laughs> like work. All the legwork. yeah and then you get to be like so here's these yeah. i found then you just <laughs> slide some photos around. <laughs> yeah but mr paul immediately protests to burning down his own warehouse his whole life was in there John's like, look, I sympathize and everything, but you're like real sweaty. You want me to to turn on the AC? (laughs) Mr. Paul says he's just running late because he was supposed to go pick up his wife. And John's like, oh, yeah, I met your wife. I like her. He's just like so fucking. And he's good at it. Yeah, Mr. Paul's like, what? (laughs) But he says that he met her when he came around to check up on Mr. Paul's story. And he just happened to have some photos of Mr. Paul's wife running around town wearing clothes that were supposed to have burned up in the warehouse fire. Do you ever just think that people really just suck at being criminals? Yeah. Yeah. Like, why are you going to be wearing a fur coat in the street (laughs) that was supposed to be burned? You wear that around the apartment? Right. (laughs) In private. Yes, because you got away with it. No. Mr. Paul says that this is impossible, but Robinson hands him the photos of Mrs. Paul wearing expensive jewelry and that fur coat. Unbelievable. John continues that when he went around to talk to Mrs. Paul, she knew a lot, especially after he showed her pictures of another woman wearing more supposedly destroyed clothing. He hands Mr. Paul photos of a young woman wearing a fur coat, his mistress, Mm -hmm. obviously, and he's like, fuck. Yeah. He doesn't have much to say at this point. So John offers him some advice. If you're going to pull a scam with your wife, don't fuck around behind her back. He like, <laughs> well, God damn, dude. <laughs> it you're should doing be too much. Yeah. You can run some fraud or you can be getting some strange. Yeah. You got to pick one. Both. It just makes me laugh because the way that John like pats him on the back it's like he's trying to make him a better criminal. <laughs> he's like, next time, don't cheat. This is what got you caught. Yeah. Yes. But we cut to a cafe and a bus goes by with an ad for Sutter Cane's In the Mouth of Madness on the side. Robinson tells John that he's got the best nose for cons in the business and watching him work was just incredible. John says that it was easy because Mr. Paul was just an amateur and his wife liked him. So she, you know, spilled the beans. He says it's only fun when you run into a pro. Robinson tells him he never misses and John's like well you can't miss when you're always expecting the worst in people Mm. now this is something I didn't remember his outlook on life because he goes into it a few times and shit is bleak (laughs) (laughs) he made I'm like a pessimist as fuck but even I was like god damn (laughs) really bad this dude really hates people (laughs) 
I did want to talk about the bus with the in the mouth of madness thing. Yeah. It says you'll go mad with fear at the bottom. Yeah, all right. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, very. But across the street, people start running out of a building and a man with crazed eyes, dirty clothes and an axe begins crossing the street toward the cafe. We see all this through the window where John and Robinson are sitting like right in between them. Yeah. All this shit is happening. Robinson asked John to stop doing freelance work and just join his staff and he'll make it worth it. But John's not trying to hear it. He's happy being independent. I think that's such a very important thing. Yeah. Especially for his character. Yeah. Establishing this early things that are very important to John. Mm -hmm. Free will, independence. I'm a loner, Dottie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that helps you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So Robinson concedes and asks him to do just one more job for him. He's having a lot of trouble with Arcane Publishing. Meanwhile, the man in the background is just getting closer and closer, <laughs> walking right. I don't know. They yeah, don't have any peripheral vision know. like whatsoever. No. But um, he walks right up to the window. Robinson hands John the file saying Arcane is his biggest client and the claim they just filed is going to cost him millions. He says he needs John on it immediately. Sutter Kane is missing. So before, you know, something happens, mm -hmm. yeah. I looked up the definition for arcane. Right. And it means secret and kind of only understood by few. Okay. Mm. And I feel like, again, that fits a lot. Yeah. yeah. And also his name is Sutter Kane. Yeah. And so later on when they're talking about it, it sounds like they're saying our Kane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they're really taking ownership of this right? guy. Yeah. But just then, the man swings the axe, shattering the glass window behind Robinson <laughs> and John. Robinson has no chill during this. Yeah. Well, would you? Like, I just, I love how things switch because he was just very calmly offering yeah, this yeah. man a job. And then he's like, bah, bah! <laughs> and it's like, it's a lot. Well, I mean, I guess I'd be freaking yeah. out. Yes, you would. I didn't get to finish my coffee. It's no, bad. it's a, just a shitty situation. It's real bad. But John and Robinson fall onto the floor and people start to flee the cafe. The man, credited as Axe Maniac, played by Conrad Bergschneider, stands on a table directly above John and asks if he reads Sutter Game. <laughs> no, that's now, does he ask? <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> After that action, <laughs> that is the last voice I suspected would happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you read Sutter Game? It's a bit. It's, the man did not yeah. that no, his vocal it is clearly piped in <laughs> yeah and also this is the worst book club invitation <laughs> yeah no shit. i've ever seen in my life but yeah this is a moment where i'm like hold on oh, that wasn't was a little odd do you read Cedric Kane? <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry are you sick what man yeah. <laughs> yeah you need my yeah. hot coffee more than i do just please just take it but his eyes look doubled, like the pupils and irises are splitting in two. Like, you know, when like, um, what are they? Cells. When cells yeah. split, when they divide, only they the, multiply. Yeah. Only the building blocks you know? of life. Yeah. <laughs> you know those little things in us? <laughs> them little tiny shits that, you know, make things. They get things. bigger and shit. Yeah. They make more of themselves mm -hmm. and whatever. Right on. <laughs> you know what the fuck I meant. <laughs> But John doesn't answer about the book club. So Axe Maniac raises his axe. But before he can swing, he's shot and presumably killed right. by police officers. Were they just also having breakfast? Or? Yeah. Well, they showed up. Well, I mean, oh, what the shit madness. was started oh, across the yeah. street. That's true. He might have. Dude, what else might he have done yeah. in there? Yeah, no shit. But John and Robinson just stare at each other in disbelief. Right. 
On commentary, they said that those contact lenses did scratch his corneas. Ooh, I, they, oh, wow. ooh, yeah, they, they looked, looked painful. Really, maybe that's why he was talking like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's just trying you know? to get through it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you read that again? <laughs> right, hurry, hurry, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Sam, please. <laughs> <laughs> so that night at home, as he pours himself a drink, John hears Sutter Kane being mentioned on the news. The reporter asks if he's a harmless pop phenomenon or a deadly mad prophet of the printed page. Just a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's really good writing. <laughs> <laughs> they cut to footage of rioting at bookstores because the stores were not able to meet the demand for advance orders of In the Mouth of Madness. The book is not even out. That's a lot. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty drastic and dramatic reaction to a book not being there. I mean... We well, go hard, but <laughs> readers go hard. But Wait, are you, the, the, you read yeah. Sutter Kane? <laughs> Do you read Sutter Kane? <laughs> but the reporter asks when fiction becomes religion and ponders if Sutter Kane's fans are dangerous. As he takes a drink, John's like, they are only if you count axes. <laughs> You're making jokes? You were yeah. almost killed. <laughs> <laughs> that was something I was like, he's very like yeah. chill and making light of a situation. This dude almost fucking axed you. Today. Yeah. And who was that for? He's alone. Yeah. He's, it. <laughs> he's like to his drink. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? You have someone on speakerphone that I don't see? What's going on? Another thing, I feel like they kind of touch on that idea of like media inspiring violence. For sure. But they handle it in such a different way later as compared to what we're seeing right now. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> again, yeah. like totally, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. But presumably the next day at Arcane Publishing, John stares at drawings of creatures on the book covers of Sutter Kane novels until the receptionist, played by Catherine Ashby, gets his attention. She leads him to the office of Jackson Harglow, played by Charlton Heston. What the fuck is Charlton Heston doing here? Whatever he wants. (laughs) Inside, Harglow is still on the phone, angrily telling the person on the other end to just get it done, because if they wait any longer, this is going to be all over the front page. So you have to pry this deal from my cold dead hands. (laughs) Harglow hangs up the phone and greets John, apologizing for the craziness around here. Then he sends everybody out of the office. I feel like if I had an office and I had an important meeting coming up, I would also have faked a phone call like that. Uh, <laughs> like like get a power play. Get it done now. I'm sorry. I'm not a man to be fucked yeah. with. Yeah. <laughs> Sir, I, I'm sorry. My name is Mr. Harklow. I. Uh, and what are you here for? Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot going on here. Yes. But he sends for Linda Stiles, played by Julie Carmen, who comes in immediately. John sits across from Harglow and admits that besides them being represented by a company he's working for, he's never even heard of Arcane. Linda is like, well, don't you read books? And he does not answer at all. (laughs) (laughs) I guess not. No. Harglow introduces them, saying that Linda reads for a living. She's one of their best editors, and she's the one that handles the Sutter Kane books exclusively. John asks if Sutter Kane is the guy... (laughs) Who writes all that horror crap? Yeah. Again, he's got an, an inability to read the room. And can I also say, the Axe Man. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he mentioned That's Sutter the only Kane. Thing yeah. That's all he asked you. And you're like, oh, yeah, Sutter Kane, the guy. He writes that writes horror that shit, bullshit. right? Like. Linda proposes that maybe Sutter Kane is just too sophisticated for John. After all, he is the most widely read author of the century. Forget Stephen King. 
Kane outsells everyone. Was that necessary? I, don't I yeah. think it had to be necessary because Sutter Kane is clearly modeled after Stephen King. Well, yeah, but <laughs> it's not okay. You didn't. Let me let's just. <laughs> you're like, oh, but fuck yeah. Stephen King. We'll, <laughs> right, this isn't him. This He's isn't trash. Him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it this way: it is necessary to mention him. Yeah, because it's so clear that Sutter Kane is Stephen. Are King. you yeah. saying not in this way? You don't have to talk yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, like oh, you guys heard of Stephen King? Well, uh, fuck that. <laughs> like Stephen who? Yeah, so Sutter funny. Kane. What? Uh, before we move on, I want to say that I really enjoy. Uh, is it uh, Harglow? Jackson Harglow, the boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoy the pocket watch he has with the chain. The little, I always had one of those in high school and junior high, and I love those things. I love that all <laughs> all this scene is going on, and you're just zeroed in on the. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a, a nice house. Nice <laughs> <yeah." laughs> But when Linda says that about Kane outselling all the other authors, John's like, "Well, what happened to him then?" He's just got no tact. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know. He's fucking snacking <laughs> chips and shit. Yeah. He's eating an apple. <laughs> That's true. Harglow says that he disappeared without a trace two months ago. The police can't even find him. The last person to hear from him was his agent when Kane mailed him new chapters of his book two weeks ago. Are they sure that he wasn't driving home from a cabin, flipped his car into a snowbank? <laughs> and, and now he's in somebody's, yeah. somebody's room? <laughs> yes. Have they checked? I don't think they have rookie mistake <laughs> the chapters came in a plain brown wrapper with no address linda begins to cough from john's cigarette and hands him her coffee mug to put it out it was the most passive no cough. it really yeah. really was <laughs> and i i don't know why she is wearing glasses because in this scene she takes them off about three times it's odd here's the thing is it's like is this an attempt at unreality or is it just bad editing <laughs> yeah it was I, weird i don't know I guess when you make a movie like this, you can just say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah no, that wasn't was a, that weird. Yeah. <laughs> Wipe the sweat. One hundred percent intentional. Mm -hmm. But he puts out his cigarette into her coffee mug, and the mug says "Sutter Canes in the mouth of madness." The book's not even out. I was yeah. gonna say I love that they have all this merch for a book yeah, that has not been uh, completed or released. No, he's working on chapters. Yeah. yeah. But John asks what the agent had to say, and Harglow says, "Well, you were there." John finally puts it together that Axe Maniac is Sutter Kane's agent. I could not be more shocked. Uh, but he's just like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, like super chill. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you're not going to be like, oh, you know what I mean? That's no, you're just sitting there. There's like a, yeah, there's a brief moment of realization. And then he laughs. Yeah. yeah. Wait. So the other thing, though. Honestly, he's the best damn agent I've ever seen because he's in the middle of a rampage. He smashes through a glass window <laughs> and he's still about his client. Do you, Do read, you read Sutter Kane? Yeah. <laughs> I represent Sutter Kane. <laughs> but John laughs and he's like, you'd think someone who could outsell Stephen King would have better representation. Dude. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. That man is dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And you saw it happen. No. I'm just like, there's no like, no, okay. That, that joke landed uh, like the Hindenburg. Yeah. Linda excuses herself and just leaves the office. Yeah. I laugh because Harglow is like, his eyes are like, get him the fuck yeah. out of here. It's well, bad. I mean, he's reacting the way anybody else would. In all fairness. Yes. And, and dude, John's just sitting there like, poor fool. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, That's funny. Right? Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with Did you? Did he expect him to laugh? I yeah. Guess. <laughs> But later, John finds Linda in the hallway and he's like, it was just a joke. <laughs> you know, if you tell a joke that offends I everyone, just, yeah. <laughs> maybe you're the asshole. Maybe lead with an apology. I don't know. Hmm. 
But she says they're just not in the mood for jokes right now. And again, she takes her glasses off. (laughs) As she walks him out, she says that Kane is a billion dollar enterprise and they've already sold the film rights to his new book. But no one has seen the book but his agent. John asks if they really think that the agent took one look at those chapters and went crazy with an axe in broad daylight because this is really great publicity. Honestly, it is. It really is. But I feel like I mean, I feel like part of the job would be being like, oh, wow, like acting like you believe the story instead of being like, bitch, you're a liar. Like, I mean, he's just very okay. mm, Yeah, Yeah. he went great. Like, you saw that man get killed. I I say he's dead. I don't think. That's what I don't understand. I don't think it was a stunt. I don't understand. (laughs) I don't get it. It is interesting what they're saying about the film rights and everything mm-hmm. being sold before the book is even on sale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because isn't that what happened with John Carpenter's Christine? Yes. Yeah. Uh, like he's basically, again, yeah. it's getting very meta. Yeah. <laughs> but Linda's like, you were there. You know this wasn't a publicity stunt. <laughs> <laughs> like, hello. Kane's work has been known to have an effect on less stable readers. Disorientation, memory loss, and paranoia. It's known. Yeah. I'll take two, please. <laughs> <laughs> like, but they keep. Well, it's money. Yeah. I'm yeah. a mark though, because if I read that, I'd be like, "Oh, let me." Like, yeah. I would. I'd be like, "Not Fuck me. Fuck me yeah. up, fam. Not me, No, though. I would want to. I'd want to see. Well, I'd want to see, but I feel like I wouldn't. Right. I'd be like, you read you're like yeah, yeah, you're like Nay, read this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell me how you feel in a week if you're smashing through coffee yeah. shop windows. <laughs> I won't read it. Yeah. But John just says that it's cute that people would pay money to feel that way. Linda tells him that they need him and John proposes that they get together when she gets off work to go through his files. But the way he says it, yeah. she's standing against the wall to the elevator and he fucking puts his hand up yeah. like he's a high school, like, hey, baby, how about yeah. it? Like, it, what? Okay, so we saw how they met yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the office. We saw his joke land with a dud. Right. And why is everything so sexy now? He's like, let's I, get together. What? Yeah. What are you talking about? So he clearly doesn't know how to read the room. No, no, no. 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 Zero. He's yeah. like a habitual line yes. stepper. Yeah. <laughs> He's just completely oblivious. But she's like, yeah, I don't think so. He says that he needs the contracts and paperwork. But Linda says that the agent was the go-between. They don't have anything. They don't even know where Kane lives. She says that for the last year, his writing got super erratic and even more bizarre than usual. He thought that his work was real, not fiction anymore. And then the writing stopped coming all together. She says that they need to know if he's alive or dead. And they need that book because they've delayed release as much as they possibly can. And his fans are getting upset like we saw on the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he bought all these like bus signs and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee mugs. <laughs> Hurry and, like, up. Calm down. John muses that this stuff really sells. And Linda asks him if he's surprised. He says he's not surprised by anything. Now this man, yeah, the Sultan of Smooth, we fucked up the water, the air, and each other. We should just finish by flushing our brains down the toilet. He steps into the elevator, and as the door begins to close, Linda proposes that he just try reading some of Kane's stuff. <laughs> he's like, this doing anything for you? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I want the world to end. I hate humanity and I tell bad jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, and I don't give a shit if they offend you. I do get horny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom line. For the record. But <laughs> just a random like side production thing. I heard on the commentary, the building they filmed in was real. Uh-huh. And it was, they all saved a lot of money by filming in real locations. Right. But the lighting gave them trouble because all the windows were green tinted. Uh. So it was like a pain in the ass. But the thing that really surprised me is that the elevator they used in this scene yeah. was built for the production. 
What? what? It's not real. Uh, <laughs> like, he just hell? steps inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the door is closed I'm and really, he's just yeah. <laughs> waiting. <laughs> I feel like the same effect would have been given if he just walked out the front door of the building. Yeah, it's really <laughs> like, no. It's unnecessary. Well, hey, well, um, if you think about shit that comes later, if yeah. he's going down. I can't. All right. I mean, I'm trying to <laughs> justify the, the building of this elevator. But that night, as John walks down the street, he notices a wall that has posters for the Hobbs and horror plastered all over it. He notices a tear in one of the posters. And just as he starts to pull it back, he hears fighting in the alley. He turns the corner and sees a cop played by Dennis O'Connor beating the shit out of, I'm assuming, a homeless person. I believe so. So nothing's changed. Um, no. Unfortunately, <laughs> other people stand around doing nothing. The person falls to the ground and the cop turns around and looks at John, who just walks away. Well, two things. One, <laughs> if only he had peeled that poster back a little bit more. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> we learned some shit later. Yeah. <laughs> So put a pin in that. Put a bookmark in that. Yes. But the fucking cop in the alley, yeah. as John walks away, he's like, you want some yeah. too, buddy? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what's your fucking badge yeah. number? <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. I can't this believe this unbelievable. shit. And John's just like, oh, police brutality. I'll, yeah. Yeah, I'll leave you to home. it. I'm I'm fucking tired. Yeah. <laughs> but that night, John reports on the phone to Robinson that this is absolutely a scam. Footage of rioting plays on his TV, and John says that the people who claim to be affected by the books, his agent losing his mind, it's all mass hysteria. It's just a crazy phase that will pass. He equates it to this year's hula hoop. Okay, does that make sense? My question. I, wait, you didn't murder anyone over? <laughs> no, a hula hoop? I didn't. Yeah, I missed the craze. Um, <laughs> my question though is like, which is it? Is it mass hysteria or is it a hoax? It can't be both. Yeah. Like he's, he's like, this is all a fucking scam. Yeah, yeah no, that part's mass hysteria. Yeah. But <laughs> he's like, well, those windows are smashed. So I have to. <laughs> that did happen. <laughs> well, I think, I guess it could be both things. <laughs> like a hoax can cause a hysteria. Yeah. I guess. But, I mean, I personally don't believe in mass hysteria. Yeah. Right. I think because they said that a lot about the Salem witch trials. They're like, well, you know, the crops were weird and they ate this mushroom and then everybody had mass hysteria and you're a witch, you're a witch. I'm like, yeah. no, all you're doing is excusing the failings of humanity yeah, yeah, yeah. by yeah. saying it was well, a crop. It's, like, it's way easier, though. Yeah. <laughs> to blame like, yeah. Just, just don't eat that mushroom. <laughs> But the next day, John walks into a bookstore where an employee is still cleaning up a mess of books all over the floor. He walks over to the display for Sutter Kane books. The news is playing and a voice reports sporadic riots and violence. All of the witnesses being interviewed are barely coherent and claim to all have recently read Sutter Kane's latest novel, Hobbs <laughs> <laughs> and Dude, I'm so sorry. <laughs> They're like, well, I don't know what happened. Well, what did you do? Well, I just finished reading Sutter Kane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like all of them? Like, I'm sorry, dude. It's funny that they're barely coherent, but that uh, part they made yeah, clear. Hobbs and Horror? Yeah, I did just I finish. Loved it. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was great. <laughs> Those books were five ninety nine. Yeah, they were yeah, cheap as fuck. And I'll take four more. I know, like, I know. Yeah. Those are half price books prices. Yeah. yeah, I was like, take the whole series. Mm, fuck yeah, it. and those were brand new. Yeah. Fuck man. Anyway, and the art on the book looks great. Hell yeah. Yeah, it really does. All of the art, and this again feeds more into the whole media being responsible for real violence, mm -hmm. which is bullshit. First of all. Yeah, yeah. But that theme that they're trying to build here because they're like look violent riots are breaking out and they're all reading <laughs> all, yeah. of all of them have read Sutter Kane <laughs> so they're doing that weird connecting thing that the, right, me the right. media yeah. does you know 
But as John looks at the Sutter Kane bugs, he's approached by Scrawny Teen, played by Paul Brogren. Wow. And Scrawny Teen is giving Arnie Cunningham. Yes. I mean, like, big time. He has taped glasses, but there's like a <laughs> rash or something on his nose yeah. and his chin and like scabs on his face. And he looks very sweaty and pale. <laughs> John picks up Hobbs in horror and the teen tells him, I can see he sees you. And John's like, well, tell him I said hi. Yeah. And walks <laughs> <off>. <laughs> he, he believes way too long yeah. that this is not real. <laughs> It just it just kills me. Like none of this is weird. Like none of this yeah, is so at all. I get being skeptical, and I know that it's part of his job to be skeptical. Mm-hmm. But just that nothing is getting yeah. through is very fucking funny. It's just so funny. Tell him I said hi. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Back at John's house, he sits on his couch reading Hobbs and Horror until he's startled by the phone. It's Robinson calling to check on his progress. John tells him that there's not much new to report, but he's gotten some Sutter Kane books and they all seem to have the same plot. Slimy things in the dark, people going mad and turning into monsters. Hmm. Hmm. But they are better written than what you'd expect and his style of writing does kind of get to you. And when Robinson proposes something on the other end of the phone, John's like, don't be silly. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised he admitted that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's like, I gotta be honest. Yeah. The book is fucking with me. <laughs> this shit is scary. <laughs> Later, he continues to read until we see him back at that wall with the Hobbs and Horror posters. Just as he starts to pull it back again, he hears fighting. He rounds the corner to the alley and the cop is beating up someone again. But this time, John starts to approach. We see the words, I can see, spray painted onto the wall before the cop drops the kid or whoever he's beating up and turns around. This time, his face is completely scarred and scratched up. Now, I, I do want to say here, when I remember watching this when I was younger, I always, for some reason in my head, thought his face was a pig, pig. face. I knew you were going to say Dude. that. And when I watched it for the show, I was like, that's not even what happened. And I was like, no, maybe I forgot that it, was, it wasn't. it was <laughs> What game was that? That had to be a game where... Duke Nukem. Duke fucking yeah. Nukem. Oh, well, yeah. The cops were picked. Yeah. I, I think that I, for some reason, thought the same thing. I yeah. did too. But it's Maybe just... it was the lighting and the scarring on the face. Yeah. Because when you're younger, you're just kind of, oh, shit. But then watching it now, I was like, well, he's not a pig at all. No. Like, what the fuck was that? I think our lines got crossed with Duke Nukem. That's I think oh, so. Maybe. Well, the funny, we because we used to have our Tuesdays where we would watch movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of them was In the Mouth of Madness. Right. This is like a few years back. It was yeah. before the pandemic, so I don't right, remember right. anything. It could have been 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. it might have been. I might have been like five years old. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. But I do remember being shocked when we rewatched it a couple years ago. And mm. I was like, huh? No, he's just like a demon. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I, I, I definitely that's why i knew you were gonna say pig because i thought the yeah, exact same I thing thought, and then when i watched it and i was like wait i was like has this always been like this yeah. but no it has is it like the, <laughs> no, it hasn't. the fucking the mandela, mandela? Yeah. yeah let us know if you thought he was a pig <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but also if you played duke nukem as well yeah, either way <laughs> nobody honestly should have been playing duke nukem at the time no, no matter what age you were <laughs> but john wakes up on the couch and begins to read again but then he's back in the alley <laughs> and john watches the cop drop the kid on the ground again he turns revealing his scarred face and john starts to back up only to see a huge group of people with weapons behind him being led by axe maniac 
Through his scarred face and inhuman eyes, the cop asks him again, you want some too, buddy? (laughs) (laughs) The group advances on John and Axe Maniac tells him, he sees you. (laughs) (laughs) Still piping in that same. (laughs) (laughs) The same voice. And then I was a little unclear on this next part. Are they, do they start attacking each other? I thought they were attacking whoever they surrounded. Yeah, I thought Who they did were. They surround? I thought they surrounded Axeman. Yeah. Okay. Like you're his fucking agent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just found out. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to point out though, because he does say he sees you. Yeah. yeah. But then he says he sees you, and then one more time he <laughs> says he sees you, and John goes what? <laughs> 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 it's like how many more times? <laughs> Do you need? He just wants to make sure. (laughs) Straightforward. But anyway, they're attacking. I guess Axe Maniac. Axes fly. We see fingers chopped off and a disfigured woman eating some of the flesh off of her axe. Yeah, they fucked him up. Yeah, damn. John back. Fresh meat. Yeah, (laughs) new meat. (laughs) John backs away from them and toward the cop, but the cop raises his club. Just before he's hit, John wakes up on the couch again. He mutters that this is just too weird. He starts to sit up, but next to him is the cop with the ruined face. Ah! I'd be fucking mad. Yeah, Uh. dude. He's sitting there like he owns the place. He's like, you got any Lay's original? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what the fuck is this? But John wakes up on the couch again, this time throwing the book away from him. I love, personally, a double dream situation. Because... You know what? Like, am I out yet? Yes, and the thing is, is that a lot of times you're not expecting it. Yeah, you're like, okay, one dream, that's enough. Well, because it's already so weird. Because like he already woke up from a dream, and then he picks the book back up, and then he's back in. Like it's already so weird. Yeah. Well, honestly, yeah, because he's. It's been like four fake outs, (laughs) all in one scene. Yes. The funny thing is that okay, so it's a two part thing. The first thing is that the makeup effects were done by K and B. Yes. Yeah. Which is fantastic. But they had said on commentary, John Carpenter was like, well, you know, the whole double dream fake out thing. We did the exact same thing at Prince of Darkness. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, first of all, it, he he said it was done much better there, though. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think he said that he liked the makeup effects on that person. I don't yeah, want to give anything yeah. away if you haven't listened to the episode. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I'm sorry if you haven't watched the movie. Yeah. It shows, <laughs> it shows where my mind is. Podmortem, podmortem. But... <laughs> um he said that he felt the makeup effects were better on prince of darkness to be a bigger scare but i feel like i don't know why i still feel like even though this film is dark and like it's a the potential end of the world stuff that comes later this is a very like fun and jovial film oh yeah it's because of sam neill i'm telling you yeah he just brings something because i'm not necessarily scared by this really right no but i mean i enjoyed it i'm intrigued Yeah. yeah yeah for sure but the next morning, with Kane's book spread out in front of him, John takes notes. He rubs his face before realizing that his pen leaked on his hands and he spread ink underneath his eyes. He's got his game face on. Yeah. I, well, I, is that kind of foreshadowing to the crosses and stuff on his face? Fuck. That just hit me. That's good. Because I feel like it's yeah. really unnecessary. Like, it's gone in the next scene. So yeah. it, I feel like it had to mean something. I don't know. For it to be done at all. Yeah. yeah. That's true. But finally, something hits him. He looks at the covers of all the books, grabs a pair of scissors, and rips all the covers off. He starts cutting shapes out of each cover until he arranges them in a certain order. Mm -hmm. We cut to him and Harglow's office. 
And with the shape formed together, John explains to Linda and Harglow that this is why Kane had all the artwork done himself. The shapes in the background of the covers form a map and the red dot points to Hobbs End. He overlays a map of New England over it and the shape fits perfectly in New Hampshire. I love this. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah. Of course, it had to be next door to Maine. Well, yes. I feel like Hobbs End <laughs> equals Castle Rock. Oh, I mean, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> One thing I think is hilarious is that I have no proof of this at all. Right. But I guarantee there's a first draft where Sutter Kane is just straight up Stephen King. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. It like, has to we be. We got to change it just a little bit. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> yeah, you can copy my homework. Just right, change yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Change it just, just enough. enough. <laughs> But like you said, that's really that's a really cool idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that would be really cool to go through a series and be like, oh shit, I figured something out. Yeah. And you can see on the covers the red line. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's just that's great. But Linda asks if John really thinks Kane went to a fictional place, and John's like, No, the place is real. It's just not on any new maps. It must be some forgotten town. But he's like, This would make a great competition. Put the pieces together, find the town, and win a Sutter Kane lunchbox. And he's not wrong. Yeah. I would like a Sutter Kane lunchbox. Yeah. I would like a little more than a lunchbox. I mean, this is really thinking outside yeah. the box. Well, uh, you cut some books up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not <laughs> let's not go uh you patting ourselves on the back too hard. <laughs> well, but how many bucks were sold and nobody? Fine, I'll take, I'll that is fair. I'll take the At lunchbox. least something, yeah. At least put lunch in the lunchbox. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Make me a sandwich. Yeah. That's all I ask. Also the lunchbox. <laughs> yeah. And the lunchbox. John says he'll have to go up there to make sure, but he's like, do you really want me to go? Because I'm not saying you're filing a fraudulent yeah. claim or anything, but this sounds like bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> he says that if they're telling the truth and really want Kane and the book back, it's in everyone's best interest that he go and find him. Harglow assures him that they have nothing to hide. All they want is either their share of profits if Kane is dead or their completed book if he's alive, which I'm like, wow, this guy's aces. He's very nice. I was like, I, I don't <laughs> I don't know that you should be this transparent. Yeah. You know, if he's dead, I want my fucking yeah. money. Yeah, that's really okay. all I care about. But, you know, to throw a wrench in it, Harglow says to be sure that John has nothing to hide. Linda should go with him. And John's like, all right. Yeah. But like, what does John have to hide? I, I don't yeah, understand. I don't. <laughs> that he, <laughs> he has nothing to hide. Okay. So here's, here's the thing. Okay. Yeah. His little crush that he has on styles. Yeah. It is the only thing that is blocking him from saying, why the fuck are you sending? <laughs> he's yeah. an editor. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah sure. Said, uh, you know, continuing the business I set up at the elevator. <laughs> yeah. Like, because this really makes no sense. She is not a PI. Yeah. No. This is not any part of the work that she does. No. And John is investigating their claim. He's got yeah, nothing yeah. to hide. He no. wouldn't have anything to hide. I'm investigating you. <laughs> it doesn't it's make like following sense. around the FBI just in case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're in trouble. <laughs> Maybe because she's his editor, Kane's editor, uh-huh. but I mean even then it still yeah, doesn't it, it still d- doesn't why? make sense. Yeah. What couldn't be solved with a phone call? Yeah. But then we wouldn't get this next scene of them in the car together. That is true. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and we all enjoy this scene. Yeah. <laughs> but in the car, Linda sleeps as John consults his map and drives while he sings America the Beautiful under his breath. Clearly, he is bored and reaches into the glove box and takes out one of those like rap rap horns. Yeah. Why is that in the glove box? 
But he squeezes it, waking Linda up and is like, oh, hey, you're awake. Yeah, what an asshole. <laughs> yeah. man, why? But she grabs a bag of chips out of the glove box and hits him with it. Once <laughs> she stops, he tells them they're lost. She says, of course they are, because this place never existed in the first place. John is like, well, we'll see. Then he offers the sound <laughs> advice to never, never, never throw chips at a driver. <laughs> Dude, okay, so he's got a couple chip crumbs in his yeah. hair, like some in his jacket. After he gives that advice, he goes, God damn it, look at this shit. <laughs> <laughs> like Sam Neill. And there's just something about this moment that uh, you're almost like, what, what am I watching? Yeah. It reminded me of In the Fly when he's like, cheeseburger. Like, <laughs> what? Like, why was this directed this way? <laughs> But for some reason, it, it's fine. It works. It does. And it's funny. Yeah. I mean, you should never throw chips at a driver. No. That is a good, that's good advice. If you don't take anything else away from this movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, John Trent has taught us a lot. You don't throw chips at a driver. You don't uh, cheat on your wife if you're doing scams <laughs> with her. Like, I mean, we're all, he's yeah. we're learning to be better criminals and passengers. That's, that's what this movie's about. But that night, as they continue to drive, John asks Linda if she really likes working on Kane's books. And Linda's like, well, do you really like busting people? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He says he busts frauds and phonies and he loves it. She asks if he's ever busted anyone he knows. And he's like, yeah, but it didn't make a difference. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, damn, dude. (laughs) It's like part of the gig, man. So what is she? Are we supposed to infer that she doesn't like working on these books? Uh, because she was selling them pretty hard in the office. Yeah. She's like, um, I guess you're not cultured or yeah. whatever she said. Yeah. Well, if I was editing and he's like, oh, that horror shit, I'd be like, listen, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my goddamn nine to five. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> but John says that he knows anyone is capable of anything. If you can think of something, someone has done it. Linda says this doesn't really leave room for him to believe in anything, but John says that's the upside. He'll never be disappointed. And the sooner they're all off this planet, the better. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking he, done, man. I feel like if you give him an inch, like he's like, oh, we fucked everything up. Like, he's like, calm down. Calm down. I feel like I think, but I can very much relate to this dude because if anybody gives me any, like, <laughs> like any inclination that I can let some of my cynicism out, I'm like, Sure. (laughs) Well, fucking human beings, man. And then I lose my shit. So I get it. But Linda says that now he's starting to sound like Kane. John's like, you're the Kane lover here. But Linda says she just likes being scared and Kane's work actually scares her. When John is incredulous, Linda explains that what scares her is if reality shared Kane's point of view. But John asserts that this isn't reality, it's fiction. But Linda's like, that's what reality is. It is what we say it is. Sane and insane could easily switch places if insane were the majority. Yeah. Which she's right. Mm-hmm. See, and this gets more into the cosmic horror thing of like the implication of these ideas. Right. Yeah. Kind of being more frightening than anything they could yes. show you. Yeah. Because it's true. Yeah. It's like time and money. We give those things meaning, but if we all decided not to... Yeah. yeah. Then what? Then it's done. What's a month? What's a minute? Yeah. Like, it, that's just scary. Yeah. Um, and I don't... I think we should move on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not linger here too long. But it's a lot of foreshadowing going on in the car. Yeah. Well, yeah, because Linda literally says that John would find himself in a padded cell wondering what happened to the world. John's like, that's never going to happen to me. And Linda says that it could if everything he ever knew was gone and being the last one left would be pretty lonely. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. 
Can we talk about, I know it was like five seconds ago, but how juvenile it was for him to be like, you're the cane lover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I love John Trent. I, can't, I just can't help myself. He's great. But he's also <laughs> so very <innocent>. ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> But when we see them again, Linda's driving and John's asleep. The radio talks about a disease sweeping across the country, an addiction. But the voices on the radio drown out as Linda sees someone on a bike riding down the middle of a dark street. This is Bicycle Boy, played by Sean Vertigo. In John Carpenter's movies, if Mm. you're not a main character, you like (laughs) he does not even fucking bother. He's like, I I am not going to waste one of my friends' names. (laughs) (laughs) What does he do? He rides a bike. Bicycle boy. Done. Next character. Yes. What is he? He's kind of a thin. He's a teenager. Scrawny teen. It's like you don't even try. Well, he's a maniac. He carries an axe. Axe maniac. Next. (laughs) You should really be thinking of these yourself. (laughs) Bringing shit to. He's he's fucking Harglow on the phone now. (laughs) (laughs) But as Linda drives past him, the kid looks at her, but he doesn't slow down. A Joker and a Jack of Diamonds click wildly in the spokes of his bike. When she looks in the rearview mirror, the boy's face is red with her taillights before just disappearing into the darkness. Later, she sees another bike in the middle of the road. But as she gets closer, she sees this one is going in the opposite direction, coming toward her. And the rider is not a young boy anymore. He's an old man with white hair trailing behind him. Linda gasps as she rides by, waking up John. But when she starts to tell him what she saw, she's like, never mind. No, no, no. no. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Was that the head over heels video? Yeah. <laughs> Time flies. So was that the kid? Yes. Yeah. Right. yeah. I'm assuming yeah. so. Okay. It felt very like David Lynch. Yeah. Like I it, mean, just this, just this strange shit. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one thing that pisses me off about her is that yeah. a lot of times really ridiculous you know, shit happens. Open your fucking mouth, dude. And, and honestly, he was kind of a fucking asshole because he woke up and he was like, what, did you see Colin or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, no, never mind. Because, because he... <laughs> yeah, he's being a dick. Yeah. When you enter the conversation with that energy, fuck you, I'm not telling you yeah, shit. Yeah, like, never mind. We'll just both yeah. die. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Fine. I didn't just see a boy turn into an yeah. old man. <laughs> fuck you. I think that's the only energy John has. I yeah. think that's just what he is. And in his defense, they did pass a lot of corn. Yeah. <laughs> but Linda puts her glasses on. Okay. Sure. Yeah. And consults the map. But suddenly the old man on the bike is right in front of the car. She hits him and she screams as he rolls over the car and lands on the side of the road. They get out of the car and Linda goes to inspect him while John looks for blankets in the back seat. Bicycle Boy's face is still old, but with the young voice, he says, I can't get out. He won't let me out. Linda looks up at a windmill moving strangely, and suddenly the old man just stands up behind her, gets on his bike, and is like, see you. Like, yeah. he just rides away. He's like, thanks for the ride, lady. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is, again, there is no moving past this. Yeah. No. If I see this shit, I'm really going to keep driving to Hobbs End. Yeah, no. This is enough. That's enough. John comes back with the blankets and he's like, oh, I guess he was fine after all. It's like, no, you fucking hit him with your car. Let's get back. We're making good time. (laughs) No, he makes her drive again. It's still your turn. Are you fucking serious? I just hit an old man. (laughs) I am shaking up. (laughs) 
I'm not getting Man, back yeah. behind the wheel. No. I was like, come on, dude. <laughs> what the fuck? He's like, well, get back on yeah. horse. It's like, <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, I'd right. get back to my dreams. Yes. You woke me up. I like was dreaming about were. a demon cop in an yeah. alley. It was really good shit. I want to get back I to really that. <laughs> <laughs> But Linda's swaying on her feet. He tells her to get back in the car and they'll notify the police in the next town. Um, they don't. No. <laughs> I just, you know, spoiler yeah. alert. Nope. But somehow when we see them in the car again, John is fucking sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Linda's driving again. The yellow lines in the middle of the road disappear and Linda is driving in pitch blackness. She rolls down the window and looks outside only to find clouds illuminated by lightning underneath the car. Like they're driving yeah, on clouds. That would be fucking terrifying. Yes. And I, then she like, does not wake John up. Yeah. Well, fuck. What's he going to say? <laughs> yeah, what is it? More corn? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're both dying now. Yeah, fuck you. Fine. I guess we'll yeah. just. <laughs> I love that John has one line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But she pulls her head back inside and suddenly the car's wheels make contact with wooden planks. Linda sees bright lights whipping by and she looks disoriented. When she regains herself, it's daylight and the car's coming from the other side of a covered bridge. Linda whimpers and looks back to the other side of the bridge and it looks bright and sunny and completely yeah. normal. Mm -hmm. John wakes up and he's like, I can't believe I slept the whole night. <laughs> <laughs> Does this imply that he doesn't remember yeah, he has the no. Hit. Yeah, I yeah. just I can't. But he's like, "Hey, thanks for driving." Yeah, <laughs> and then he realizes that they're parked right next to a sign welcoming them to Hobbs End. He commends her for finding the town, but she just looks at him seriously and demands that he drive for the rest of the way. Right again, please say something. Yeah, <laughs> that was. I mean. So clearly that was some kind of portal or some kind of yeah. Well, because now it's complete daylight. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I do want to say that it looked incredible. Oh, yeah. No, that was badass. Yeah. I, I saw that they had worked with ILM, Industrial Light and Magic. Uh -huh. They were the ones that did these visual effects. Oh, nice. There's another effect they do later that I really love, but a lot of people shit on, but I think it's fantastic. But And we'll get to it. Okay. Yeah. I, was like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> but this was done by them because John Carpenter had worked with them on Starman in 1984. Oh, all right. And I think it's George Lucas's company. Mm -hmm. mm. And so they did this. There's a lot of really good editing in the sequence, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because you cut from the clouds. Also, I saw that they use like just a car door for the shot of getting to the... Oh, cool. Huh. Yeah, to get that shot from above. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. It works. I, I really, really love it. And I think this film doesn't... I was going to say this film doesn't get enough credit for it, its effects. This film doesn't get enough credit. Yeah. Yeah, period. Yeah. I feel I like it deserves more praise than it gets. But when they get out of the car, John muses that it's cute. Main Street, USA. He walks up to <laughs> he walks up to an antique shop, <laughs> looks through the window and is like, look at this old crap. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is this? You literally can't take him anywhere. Yeah. No. <laughs> but Linda watches as a dog comes around the corner. Close behind it is a huge group of kids chasing after it. Linda gets John's attention, but he never saw the kids at all. John's like, this place is picture perfect, but there's no one here. They walk down the street and we see that there's an ax stuck into a stump of wood that is covered in blood. Well, that's frightening. Yeah. Yes. 
they had said on commentary that this was actually shot in a tourist town outside of Toronto. Nah. And like they got all these shopkeepers to close down shop for a yeah. few days. Oh, wow. Nice. And I so hope they paid them. I hope so. Well, yeah. yeah. You guys, aren't, if they're like going like the mob, yeah. you guys aren't going to be working the next <laughs> <Yeah>. couple <of> <laughs> <laughs> right. like, go, uh, go take a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure they were compensated. But uh, it really sells this thing. Like, I don't know. There's something so weird about them arriving in this town so mysteriously, mm-hmm. only for it to be basically deserted, yeah. except for these fucking ghost children and the Pied Piper dog or whatever's yeah. happening. Because <laughs> I could have sworn I heard a flute, <laughs> but I can't explain it. So they pull up to the Pikmin Inn. It's like very nice. I thought it was like super European looking. Mm-hmm. It's like a really pretty building. Yeah. They said on commentary that the man that built the house, I guess he was from Europe. Mm. I knew it. And (laughs) so I was like, yeah. But the thing was, is that I guess he was making enough money for his wife to come over from Mm -hmm. Europe. And I guess on the boat there, she died. Oh, my God. And so he kind of turned this house into like a shrine to his wife. Why were y'all filming? Yeah. I probably would have gone. I don't know. Why wouldn't you film here, though? That's really sad. It's really sad, but the greenhouse is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice building. It, it is, is. It is, but I don't know. That just seems kind of weird, too. Well, I mean, look, every. I think this isn't where you should get your philosophy from, right. but I believe on an episode of True Blood, they said, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> anywhere you step, someone's probably died there. And so oh, it's yeah. like, you know. I mean, yeah, but not everywhere you step is a shrine to somebody's dead wife. Yeah, well, that, that's beautiful. Yeah, I was going to say, well, that's my thing. It's just, it's dedicated to his wife. I wouldn't want to, like, do something disrespectful. They're like, let's put some freaky right, shit yeah, in so, here. Yeah. <laughs> well, and but, then you got fucking John Trent coming yeah. in. This place is a fucking pigsty. <laughs> or whatever again, he's going to say. as cool as it looks, why wouldn't you want to film yeah. there? It, do- it does look really cool. So we would film here? Yeah. I guess. All right. Very good. But they get out of the car, and John asks how Linda knows about this place when she's never been to Hobson before. Linda says she's never been here, but she's read about it. And so has John. She looks through the windows of an attached greenhouse and says that it's empty now, but it used to be full of strange growing things. She asks John if he remembers that one day the townspeople saw something giant with arms like snakes moving inside. John's like, oh, yeah, this is the hotel from Hobson Horror. So she is calling upon these books like memories. Yeah. yeah well, she edits them. I'm sure she knows yeah. them inside now. I know. But at the same time, she's not. I mean, there feels like you could say, hey. You mean the way she says yeah. it? Yeah. The, well, yeah. the, way, the fact that she's like, it's empty now, but it used to be. It's exactly. like, that was a yeah. book. Yeah. That was a book. You Go back to New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're starting to freak me out. Because, I mean, he is able to differentiate from the book. Right. But she's like, this is where old man McKinsey, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> like, what? That never happened. That wasn't real, Linda. But inside, they walk up to the counter, and without turning around, Linda knows that there will be a painting on the wall behind them. John turns and confirms this, saying that it's nice. It's a couple holding hands and looking at each other, standing next to a river. John didn't say that. I'm saying that. This seems out of character. (laughs) He's like, it's it's beautiful. I'm like, no, no, John would never say that. He starts toward the painting, but Linda warns him of a loose board on the floor just before he steps on it. That's when I would start to worry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, also the stuff that happened on the way to town. <laughs> well, no, yeah, but, but, but then, that's, yeah. That's a lot. A loose board. We didn't just hit an old no. man or anything. <laughs> well, in all fairness, he got up. He was fine. He's True. Fine. Yeah. 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 Right back on the, you got to get back yeah. on the bike. That old man is a lesson. <laughs> 
But Linda rings the bell on the desk and out comes Mrs. Pickman, played by Mrs. Choate herself, yes. Frances Bay. I was going to say, you know, the town's not so great. Yeah. This lady did get mugged for her marble she ride <laughs> just last week. John asks her for a room, lying and saying that they're on their way to Boston, but they wanted to stop and see her famous little town. Mrs. Pickman has no idea what he's talking about. Linda turns around and looks at the painting. Now the man has his arm around the woman and they're both turned away from us. John says he knows Sutter Kane is from around here and he comes back to stay sometimes. But Mrs. Pickman has no idea who Sutter Kane is and no one comes through here anymore. Linda turns back to the painting and watches as the woman turns her head to face her. Yeah, that, that's not right. No. Yeah. Linda is startled <laughs> yeah. and grabs John, but he looks at her like, what the fuck? Yeah. Dude, well, she's again, it's annoying because yeah. she's doing. Remember when they went to the Mr. Burns Dracula castle on The Simpsons and Bart's <laughs> like, nyah, nyah, nyah. <laughs> like, that's what she's doing. And Trent's like, yeah, yeah, I've seen your curly too. Like, I just want, I just want her to be like, hey, that painting yeah. has changed yeah. three times since we've been here. But in the room, John condescendingly tells her that if that's what she thinks she saw, yeah, that's unsettling. So I guess she tells him in the room. All right, I'll be quiet. And John is still a fucking yeah. asshole. <laughs> but the bottom line is that they're not living in a Sutter Kane story. He says that Mrs. Pickman in the book chopped her husband into coleslaw, but the one they met downstairs couldn't do anything worse than dipping her dentures into her husband's beer, which was weirdly specific. <laughs> <laughs> Way too specific. I honestly would rather be hacked in the coleslaw. Yeah. <laughs> personally. Yeah, that's nasty, that's dude. That's really uh, gross. And that's way more vindictive and oh, creative. Yeah. Passive aggressive. You just watch him drink his beer. Uh, like, don't do that. <laughs> My teeth are in there. Yeah. <laughs> But Linda asks him to consider that Kane's work isn't fiction. John doubles down that this is reality, knocking on a desk to make his point. He says that if she's right, there should be a black Byzantine church with 250 foot spires with gold onions on them. <laughs> I, I mean, he could have described that better. But yeah, is that an architectural term? Onions, yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. He pulls back the drape to reveal nothing but a barn. But Linda corrects him. He didn't read closely enough. That view came from the east. She opens the window to reveal the exact church that John described, and the smile finally falls from his face. He read it very quickly. Yeah. And he thinks he can correct the actual editor yeah. of the book. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, so check this yeah. bitch. Yeah. Open the window. It's like, you think you know Sutter Kane? Yeah. <laughs> You're Do the you Kane lover. I do want to point out that they had said on commentary that if they were not there on set, they would have assumed that the church was a matte painting. But that is a real church. Oh, wow. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's still there. It's like a functioning thing. Unbelievable. Oh, nice. And I know we get there later. Yeah. Yeah. In the yeah. Film, but they had said that they had had to make a donation to the reverend to use the church. Hmm, that's which not feels a little slimy yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they just uh, kindly threatened the shopkeepers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the pastor's got to wet his beat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But as they walk over to the church, John reads from the book. This place had once been the seat of an evil older than mankind and wider than the known universe. It was a place of pain and suffering beyond human understanding. And I think this is one of the excerpts that is Lovecraft. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. He reads that there used to be a smaller church here, but this black church swallowed the building up the way it had swallowed their minds. Now all that's left is a mosaic of Jesus above the front door. They look up and see exactly that. Jesus with his arms spread wide and people kneeling to him. 
John continues that some believe the old church still exists somewhere inside. The creatures that used to be inside were inhuman and murderous. Their very existence contaminating time itself. Okay, if you discount the nightmares that he's had, mm-hmm. the weird do you read Sutter Kane yeah. guy, the trip here where they saw all the shit on the road, right? nothing that weird has happened in Hobbs End yet. Right. In Hobbs End, and no. Yeah. So I can still get with John believing that this just inspired right, right. Sutter sure. Kane. Sure. All right. Right now. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Linda watches as that same dog runs by again and the children race after it. John tries to open the doors to the church, but they don't budge. As they run by, she reaches for his back, like trying to get his attention, but doesn't say anything. She doesn't talk. Linda points out that the stained glass is the archangel Michael fighting off one of the creatures in a battle for heaven. John isn't trying to hear this, but they both conclude that the things that Cain writes are beyond description. Just as he decides that they're wasting their time here, a bunch of cars and trucks come speeding up to the church. Linda urges that they need to leave now because they are going to have guns. Is Because from the story, right? Yeah. yeah. A group of men get out and run up to the church, and they do indeed have guns. They're led by Simon, played by Wilhelm von Homburg. It's a hell of a name. It's a great name. Yeah. Who fires his shotgun into the air and screams for Cain to give him back. The doors of the church open to reveal Johnny, played by Kevin Zegers, a little boy who stares vacantly at the group as wind whips around him from inside the church. Simon calls out to him, but the doors to the church just close and open, revealing and hiding the boy again and again. The doors close for a final time and open to reveal Sutter Kane, played by Jurgen Prochnow, smiling at the group with a look of complete contempt. Yeah. <laughs> John is like, is that Sutter Kane? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, some Rottweilers come from the side of the building and start barking at the group of men. The door slam closed and the hounds are released, Mr. Burns style, <laughs> yeah. chasing the men back to their vehicles and stopping to chomp on a few that fall along the way. They threw themselves on the floor. <laughs> they did. <laughs> it's funny because the dudes with the you sleeves, do, like, they're yeah. like, bite yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only here. The guy with the leg bite uh, yeah. was actually bitten, though. <gasps> oh, really? Yeah, they oh. said he had to go to the hospital. John Carpenter's like, use it! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, keep it going, keep it going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm all for not hurting animals at all. Mm-hmm. But if these dogs are attacking us and you have a gun... Just, Those are like devil uh, dogs. Yeah, just, no, they're just dogs. They're, <laughs> they're, I mean, they from the church. Well, oh, they, well, yeah. Yeah, they did but, seem yeah, a little evil. Yeah. Well, the omen was also a... Rottweiler. Yeah. Yeah. Man, they're giving these dogs a bad yeah, name. Yeah, <laughs> But Poor dogs. The, it's funny that you say that because the the father like lets off one weird shot, yeah. and it's like a sad like, damn it, and then yeah, he just leaves. I didn't understand. I'm like what the like, fuck? John and Linda run back to their car, but there's a little girl played by Jacelyn Holmes standing in the road next to it. Her face is scarred and you know has that rash yeah, and yeah. stuff all over it, and she goes, "I see." Without a word, they just yeah. like get in the car. <laughs> I love because she doesn't really take her eyes off the girl. She kind of just backs into the yeah. passenger seat like, what? I don't know what you want me to do. And also, <laughs> it's different because when fucking squeaky voice teen from the bookstore or whatever his name was. Arnie Cunningham. There we yeah. go. He was like, he sees you. Yeah. And then fucking Axeman was like, he sees you. Yeah, yeah. But this girl, I see. Yeah. yeah. That's getting a little too well, close. Well, now yeah. we're here. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> But back in the room, <laughs> as he packs his bag, because John's done. Yes. Yeah. 
John angrily demands to know how Linda knew about the mob, coming to the conclusion that this entire thing has been staged. But Linda literally told him all of this is from a book. Yeah. And he's like, bitch, how did you know this? Yeah. <laughs> she told you. But. Well, okay, hold on. John's like, I'm supposed to run back and tell the media about Kane's haunted town and help sell a few more million copies. Well, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched this movie like four times for this yeah. episode. Dude. That makes me fucking laugh out loud. He literally says that uh, well that He's accent so mad. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> it makes me laugh every single time it kills me because like he doesn't need to be so coarse yeah. <laughs> he's pissed but honestly it feeds into the whole free will thing is like yeah. i'm not gonna be your fucking pawn yeah, yeah. in this bullshit well that would Fuck that <laughs> <laughs> that would piss me off too mm -hmm. like at least bribe me like a normal person don't yeah. fucking treat me like i'm stupid treat me like, but, I'm, crooked. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm crooked but he goes off until linda comes clean he's wrong because he's only half right this was a hoax at the beginning son of a bitch i knew yeah. it <laughs> i was so mad i know yeah. i was shocked they yeah. sent kane away on a publicity stunt but he never showed up Harglow sent Linda with him to make it all more believable, which it really doesn't, but okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they weren't really supposed to find anything. That's how she knows that all this is real. This is not the part that was staged. Wait, so did they expect John to put together the map? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so where were they supposed to go? Just wander around New Hampshire, yeah. probably. And not find anything? Yeah, I don't understand. I was like, okay, this was a stunt, but what after that? Yeah. Yeah, what happened But my next? thing is, they set up a publicity stunt, mm -hmm. and Kane was supposed to be sent somewhere right. else, but when he never arrived there, you're not a little worried for they, real? Well, that's what I'm saying now. What? Like, that's I, true. Yeah. And they're just like, nah, this is all part cool. of it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like, understand. He's really committed. He, yeah, he likes to freestyle it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One thing we know about Kane is he yeah. kind of... <laughs> And again, she knew about the mob because of the book. John's like, well, I read all those books and there wasn't anything about a mob or a little girl. Linda's like, that's not in the old books. It's in the new one. Yeah. And nobody has read that except for Linda and Axe Maniac. <laughs> John finally softens and asks what the new book is about. She tells him it's about the end of everything. And it all starts right here with an evil returning and taking over Hobbes End piece by piece. It starts with the children and eventually everyone is going to turn into creatures that aren't human anymore, but they have to skip to the ending of the new book to figure everything out. So I will say one thing that didn't make sense earlier makes perfect sense now. Yeah. He doesn't make any like qualms about dude sending her with him. Yeah. Because he's sweet on her or whatever. Yeah. But the reality is, even though it's not in her job description, she had to be sent here because yeah, yeah. she's part of the fucking yeah. thing. Yeah. So now that makes sense. That makes sense for their ulterior motive. But Absolutely. For, him, yeah. for her actually being sent in context of what was. No, not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> John tells her that if she's not making this up, she's crazy. Suddenly she starts kissing him, asking that he not make her do this alone. But he pulls away and he's like, are you leaving with me or not? Yeah. <laughs> I don't under I didn't understand why she started. But later it does kind of make yeah. sense. Yeah. Because now is not the time to make it sweet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, if we're talking about free will here. Yeah. 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 No, we'll talk about that later. But Linda doesn't respond as to whether she's leaving with him. And he's like, well, have a nice bus ride and leaves. <laughs> but he leaves the car keys behind and we see Linda pick them up off the table. Down in the lobby, John notices that the picture on the wall now has the couple facing him with extremely distorted faces. He touches the painting, but there's nothing abnormal about it. 
He lights a cigarette, and although the desk was empty a moment ago, now Mrs. Pickman stands there, telling him there's no smoking in here because it bothers her husband. But she now has bags under her eyes, and she is super fidgety. Mm Mm-hmm. John comments that Linda told him Mrs. Pickman painted that weird painting. And for a moment, Mrs. Pickman doesn't know who he's talking about. She says she doesn't know Linda, but John says that Linda thinks she knows her. Mrs. Pickman says she didn't paint the painting. (laughs) (laughs) John remarks that she looks like she's been up all night. Mrs. Pickman says she was up reading, but we hear like this groaning sound. Mm -hmm. In response, Mrs. Pickman kicks something behind the counter John approaches her, but Linda runs by in the background. He goes outside <laughs> just in time to see her driving away in their car. That looked so funny. <laughs> her did. trying to slow run across. Yeah, I don't know what. She's going to sneak out. <laughs> Mrs. Pickman looks down on the ground demanding, hush. And we see that handcuffed to her ankle is her weak, naked husband. They're into some freaky shit. Yeah. I don't think that Mr. Pickman Yeah, is. he wasn't too much into <laughs> It's first of all, I do think that John is just John everywhere because he's like, you look like you've been up all night. (laughs) You don't say that to anyone. (laughs) You look beat the fuck up, lady. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. But uh, I do think that this is kind of the big shift. Right, right. Where before the town seemed kind of innocuous Mm. enough for John to make excuses. Yeah. Yeah. But now things are starting to get a little weird. Yes. Yeah. I remember asking your sister about the scene because I this stuck stuck with me for a long time. Yeah. And I was like, I know I've seen a movie where that's happened. I know. And your sister was like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez, nay. No, he goes. He's like in the mouth of madness. He's like, that's the one where the the lady has her. I don't think I said the movie. I just couldn't remember. I said, what's the movie? No, we Mm. were talking about this. And you're like, isn't that the one where the lady has her naked husband handcuffed to her behind the counter? And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, nobody. (laughs) Look, I even Googled it and I couldn't find this shit anywhere well then really? i, I yeah. started working on it and i was like fuck he was right <laughs> <laughs> what i love is that he brings up something weird and you're like in the mouth of madness yeah. <laughs> no way what's so funny is that this movie is so fucking weird that that part didn't even stick in my brain no <laughs> i was just like i don't i'm pretty sure it's not that movie well but, surprise surprise yeah <laughs> i don't know what it was i don't know if i kept thinking it was a stephen king like a book that i read uh-huh. or something and i was like i know i know this from somewhere i felt bad because he was like what was that yeah. like he was and really he's got the answer yeah. yeah and i'm like mm, wasn't in the mo- yeah, was nope like, mm. and in all fairness it kind of was from a stephen king yeah, yeah. <laughs> then she threw a fucking bologna sandwich at me i don't know why. stop <laughs> it why are you a bully yeah <laughs> in his version <laughs> But that night, John walks over to the bar and consults his notes on Hobbs End, which still reflect that he thinks that this whole thing is an expensive charade. Now, you know how many actors you'd have to hire for this? A lot. (laughs) Oh, yeah. A lot. It's gotten to the point where even me as a skeptic, this is just to the point. This is not feasible. Yeah. Yeah. Simon walks in and asks if John is a writer, but he says no. He asks if Simon is an actor, but Simon just tells him to leave because this isn't a tourist town. John's like, I'm trying. (laughs) But he's like, you and the lady at the hotel are great actors. See, what are you doing? Simon says that Kane has messed with the church. Something leaked out, got to the kids, and has been passed on to them. John just drinks his beer and offers to buy Simon one. But Simon tells him to just leave before it gets him too. Do we ever see the barkeep? No. 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 (laughs) Isn't that weird? The answer is no. But Linda pulls up to the church, and as she crosses the field to it, a ball is kicked over to her. 
She turns and sees the kids who look terrible. <laughs> the dog has finally been caught and he limps away with a missing leg. Yeah. Yeah. And the kids have like blood on their faces. So I guess they ate the dog's leg. Yeah. Pulled a Michael Myers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, let's see what all this yeah. is. About. <laughs> hey, it's John Carpenter, man. <laughs> <laughs> Linda asks where they live and a boy replies, with you. She asks who takes care of them, and little girl, that's what she's credited as, of course. <laughs> says, you do. She tells her she's her mommy, and today is mommy's day. None of this is true. <laughs> no. <laughs> Pretty sure that's... N- no, uh, no, I don't think so. All this reminded me was of the baby doll from Demonic Toys. The voice, <laughs> the face. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, because her face is distorted, yeah. and her teeth are like sharp points yeah. like she's fucked up these children are literally monsters yeah, yeah. and she's just like what are your names yeah. like, no, but what are you doing i am a demon child <laughs> like what the fuck why are you not screaming right I she's not scared it, of us dude right i can't yeah. make it any more clear yeah. <laughs> but linda tosses the ball back to them and heads toward the church she's like not i don't know she's I'm just, unfazed she's like run along now what <laughs> i'm so confused by this she like tosses their hair <laughs> dude that's not what this is little rascals (laughs) john returns to the room and finds that linda is gone but he already knew she was gone because he He saw saw her slink but whatever but linda at the church reads a sign outside that proclaims any who dare enter this unholy site be damned forever so she takes a deep breath and enters (laughs) (laughs) torches light the inside of the church and we see an inverted crucifix on the wall she continues deeper inside this is one of those cool churches yeah it's a badass church (laughs) it's a metal church (laughs) (laughs) back at the room john lays in bed looking bored before picking up his copy of hobbs and horror i don't know i mean i guess it's because he doesn't believe any of it i was gonna say how could he be bored but i guess he's like man this is bullshit But at the church, Linda finds a door. But when she opens it, there's nothing inside but a typewriter and paper on a table. So she closes it. As she starts to walk away, she hears typing on the typewriter. So she goes back and opens the door. The room is completely different now. The walls look fleshy and bloody. And Sutter Kane sits at his desk, typing away on his typewriter. At his side is a growling Rottweiler, but it just runs from the room. Suddenly, a hand grabs her shoulder from the ceiling and pulls her inside. But once inside the room, the door shuts and the hand is completely gone. (laughs) Just a couple of things here. First of all, the hand was overkill. Yeah. Yeah. We're already scared to death. (laughs) The Adams family? Like, I don't. It just crawls into like a vent or something. (laughs) But the way that they did this is really cool because it was all done in one shot. They had like the room set up with just the typewriter. And whatever else was on the desk. Uh-huh. And it's like a facade wall. Right, right. And then when she closes the door and walks away, the crew like busts ass to move everything out. <laughs> it's not that long. No, no. it's she not. She barely walks down the hall yeah. and then comes right back. And then they have him seated down already. Damn. He's camera ready. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's ready to go, man. But the one hiccup they had is they had to film this 13 times Ooh. because the dog kept going the wrong way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the dog would not cooperate. <laughs> Kane looks up and greets Linda by name. He tells her happily that she can edit this one from the inside looking out. Does it? I know this film's called In the Mouth of Madness. Doesn't the room kind of look like a throat? Yeah. Yeah, it looks visceral for sure. Like Like, it's very... We're in some kind of guts. Like I don't know. (laughs) This is... I don't know. Like small intestine, large intestine. I don't know. (laughs) Guts. 
Linda slowly approaches the desk as Kane tells her that it's funny because for years he thought he was making all this up, but they were telling him what to write. Next to him, a door dripping with dark liquid begins to flex and move. Mm -hmm. He tells her that they've given him the power to make all of this real. All the horrible, slimy things that are trying to get back in. All of it is true. That door could not look cooler. Yeah. Yeah, it looks really cool. Like, I love it so much. He stands with Linda, but she just stares transfixed as they watch the door continue to flex. He grabs her shoulders and invites her to see what she's been looking for. The new Bible, the instrument of their homecoming. He grabs her hair as he tells her that it will start the change and help her see. He suddenly pushes her head forward and her face is somehow illuminated by the stack of pages. The title page reads, In the Mouth of Madness, written by Sutter Kane. She sees blood, malformed faces, axe maniac, herself standing and spinning with the old version of Bicycle Boy, tentacles reaching from underneath the door, the dog, little girl, John laughing maniacally, a billboard announcing In the Mouth of Madness with John Trent, then images of the church. It's a lot. Yeah. It's, yeah. Kane pulls Linda away from the page and she's now bleeding from her eyes, but super chill. Like she does not care. Yeah. <laughs> Kane asks if she likes the ending and asks for suggestions, but she doesn't say a word. She only touches his face. As we pan back, we hear ripping and see that Kane is transforming into a monster that may have had some kind of influence on a movie that came out in 2021. Yeah. Uh, I'm, Patreon, Discord, yeah. y'all know what I'm talking about. There's, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I, 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 it may or may that not have had an influence. Note, yeah. I was just going to say I love... Uh, <laughs> James Wan's a great <laughs> filmmaker. There, but there's a tiny face and little arms coming out of the back of what used to be Sutter Kane's head. Mm-hmm. And she kind of rubs it a little bit. She does. Yeah. She's into it. Yeah, she's, she's feeling it. But in the room, John is calling someone on the phone, but hangs up when he doesn't get an answer. Who was he calling? Maybe Robinson. Robinson. He's like, dude, you yeah. really fucked me on this one. <laughs> this is why I won't work for you. Yeah, house. right. <laughs> He steps out into the hall, but there's no one there. When he turns to go back inside, Linda lurches into the frame, falling onto John's back. John brings her into the room as she wildly says, I'm losing me. Help me, John. I'm losing me. That is a frightening line. That's yeah. so scary. Oh, yeah. He lays her onto the bed, but she's wide eyed and grasping at him. She tells him that she saw the book and begs him not to look at it or read it. She repeats again, I'm losing me. And then she just falls asleep. Yeah. <laughs> John goes down to the lobby and rings the bell at the desk and calls out for Mrs. Pickman. No answer. He picks up the phone and the lights start going in and out. He looks over at the painting, but the couple has been replaced by grotesque crawling creatures with tentacles. The mountains behind them have been replaced with the black church. John hangs up the phone and calls out for Mrs. Pickman again. He's like, where are you, you old bitch? (laughs) I was like, good Lord. That was great. <laughs> it was just <laughs> unnecessary. It was, but you're think of how frustrating. Yeah, yeah it's like, done. oh my god, dude. And I would be more inclined to answer to that. I'd be like, what the fuck yeah, did you just no, call me? Yeah, no. <laughs> like if he's like, Miss, Miss Pickman. Yeah. She's like, I'll just finish my lunch. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. That doesn't sound important. <laughs> but John hears groaning and goes to investigate. We see a creature's mouth and a trembling human hand as the groaning and growling continue. A man screams loudly and we see Mrs. Pickman, who still has her face, but a deformed tentacled body. In her hand, she's holding an axe and brings it down, not on a marble rye, but on her (laughs) poor husband's hand. 
John goes into the basement and sees the new Mrs. Pickman for himself. She brings down the axe again on her husband, who's still handcuffed to one of her tentacles, and John fucking hightails it out. <laughs> I guess he's like, look, there's nothing yeah. I can do. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah, what can you do? There's literally, this is beyond my experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have to outsource that. The thing that's very interesting to me that I learned on commentary is Carpenter said that because, I guess they did a failed makeup test. Mm-hmm. And I guess that it just did not look good on screen. And so everything here, yeah. Carpenter said is a miniature. Oh, wow. Yeah. He said the blood's fake. The body's fake. The uh, woman's what? fake. The husband's fake. Her face though. It yeah. Looks like- yeah it looks yeah. so like legit. I thought All that right. they just like attached something to her. Yeah, that's yeah. what it looks that's like. That's what I thought too. But yeah, that's he said- That's crazy. He only made me laugh because on commentary he goes, and we just used a few life-size miniatures. Well- uh, not life size, they're miniatures. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, life life miniatures. Yeah, I think that's what he meant. But yeah, I was blown away. That's cool. Yeah, I never would have guessed yeah. that because it looks mm. like her in like some yeah. prosthetics or that's something. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. But no. But John runs back up to the room to tell Linda that it's time to go. But through the glass pane of the bathroom door, he sees Linda's silhouette with tentacles whipping around her. Some reach to the bottom of the door in the flash that we've been seeing. This reminded me of 1408. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of the thing. Fair. With the whipping tentacles. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah. I'm really trying to drive home this 1408 connection. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start it with the carpenters. Yes. Linda opens the door and steps out smiling. But the next thing we see is John flying into the hall from being thrown. He just runs outside. <laughs> <laughs> he runs straight to the car, but stops to look at a creature through the windows of the greenhouse, malformed with arms like snakes, just like Linda described yep. when they first arrived. <laughs> but there's just no explanation for this. Who is that? Yeah. Which I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know he's like, did you enjoy <laughs> your stay? Yeah. Like, no, dude. What? Who the fuck are you? I'm just so confused. But it's one of those things that's just weird, and we just accept it. Yeah. Well, you gotta. John takes off, but stops when he sees a group at the end of the street. They're singing and dancing in a circle around Linda, who seems completely in a daze. He calls after her as a person nearly transformed into a creature turns to notice him. A disfigured person with an axe runs by but stops to say, fuck you, and then yeah. runs into the crowd. Come on. Yeah, what's happening here? The kids know. have rabies. The adults are all scared. They're dancing. I just don't. Why? I feel like that was just an insult to injury. Like, it was just yeah, you didn't need no that. Yeah. Really you. Also, this character reminded me of the axe figure in 1408 that oh that's strange right. yeah. that's fair but um yeah i don't know <laughs> john's like can i get a fucking just yeah. an ounce of respect or <laughs> well for him it's been one thing after yeah. another man yeah that's true <laughs> and i'm sorry but he sees her in the street right yeah he just left her in the room that's that's a and he took the car yeah yeah why he's just like any for some reason he seems to forget that she just fucking catapulted him out of the, the yeah. room right that no, never he, comes up he, again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he really just took that one on the chin yeah. it's like you get one okay <laughs> so this is for all the corn yeah. talk isn't it <laughs> but john ducks into the bar it's also kind of hard to ascertain how close or far everything is because they he walked to the bar earlier yeah. right so i don't I, I i don't i don't know yeah and when she went to the church wasn't it dark but when she left it was light it's like how far was it that you could see the church from the window you could it took yeah, you, you all can. day to drive over there i don't know these are all great questions <laughs> i maybe again they're like well yeah we meant to do that it's the yeah. Yeah. unreality it's yeah. surreal right guys <laughs> 
But in the bar, Simon notes that John is still here. He's sitting against the wall, bleeding from the face. John says that they've got great special effects and hidden speakers. You guys are pros. Uh, stop. You got your yeah, ass like now, you, yeah. you got your ass thrown out of a room. You <laughs> saw this woman deformed into a creature yeah. murdering her husband. Mm-hmm. But he's like, man, you guys, yeah, special effects. And the award goes to yeah. him, right. It's he like, just no. fucking walks into the bar, slow clapping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Simon ignores this, and he's like, I can't remember what came first, us or the book which is terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Fed up, John throws a bottle against the wall and yells that they are not living in a Sutter Kane story. This is not reality. On commentary, Carpenter said that when he threw the glass, uh-huh. it shattered and a piece of it hit Carpenter in the eye. Oh, oh. oh, no. Yeah. And so he said that he knows that Sam Neill probably didn't do it on purpose, but he said it kind of felt like the receipt for what happened. For the ah. neck. Please <laughs> <laughs> for my neck. In his eye. Fuck. Yeah. I know. But Simon calmly tells him that reality just isn't what it used to be. John says this place makes his head hurt, but Simon's like, oh, yeah? He shows a chunk taken out of his face and says this was done by his five-year-old daughter. She did this to him after she got her mom. He tells John that he's all alone. He puts the barrel of his shotgun under his chin, and John pleads for him not to do it. Simon says he has to, though. He wrote me this way, and then he pulls the trigger horrifying yeah john runs retching out into the street (laughs) the second he hit the street and gagged i was like nay's gonna (laughs) i loved it (laughs) hashtag same right and sees that the crowd is now staring at him suddenly linda is right next to him she punches him in the face but he fucking punches her harder (laughs) (laughs) it just makes me laugh because he doesn't even stop to think about it he's just a fucking reflex she hit him first she did he doesn't even ask what the fuck is wrong with you (laughs) oh what's all going on you can't be surprised anymore but she faints and he catches her and takes her to the car. At least he's still trying to take yeah. her with him. That is true. He could have just left her. Yeah. yeah. He tries to start it, but his keys are gone. <laughs> In the passenger seat, Linda suddenly starts laughing and shows him that she has them. You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? Yeah. <laughs> he tries to take them from her, but she puts them in her mouth. I read that these keys were made of pasta. <laughs> First of all, what? That's what? what? That's amazing. <laughs> Carpenter said they tasted rank. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like, then what kind of pasta? I know. Yeah. The worst, apparently. <laughs> but you made her eat. Yeah, I know. Well, fartuccini. Yeah. <laughs> John- <laughs> I'm sorry for that. Yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> John is like, come on. Yeah. He's been through enough. He has. He's unable to get them out of her mouth, so he just punches Linda in the face. (laughs) God damn. (laughs) And she passes out again. It makes me laugh that he, like, she's eaten the keys. Yeah. But he reaches into into her (laughs) mouth. Like, you're not getting them back, dude. Rez, you really ate those fucking keys? Like, come on. The desperation. Let's just "Mm -mm." sit here in the moment of the fact that you just (laughs) ate the fucking keys. (laughs) Right, now we're not going anywhere. Just shame her. Great job. He takes a screwdriver from the glove box and is able to start the car with it. Just before the crowd gets to him, he drives away. In the car, John scolds himself. Why can't he learn to never leave the city? 
Linda wakes up and asks if they're leaving. John tells her that they're already home, but Linda tells him that he should have just listened to her. She says that Kane is writing her and he wants her to kiss John because it's good for the book and it's what the readers want. She brings her face to his and John goes, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny, dude. It's it's just, I mean, she explained everything. Yeah, she did. And I don't, he's just well, he's the same guy that was like, what? Yeah. In the dream. So, I mean, it just it takes me. him a while. Why? One thing I will say is honestly, that makes it even scarier because she was trying to sex him up in the hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. So she How was long? already affected. Yeah. She had already read a lot of the book. God damn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She just hadn't read the ending yet. Now she's gone, gone. Like, well, this is part of end. it. So yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. Let's get make him with the sweet. <laughs> John stops the car and jumps out, not realizing that he's stopped right next to Bicycle Boy's bike. There's a phone booth and he sees old Bicycle Boy get on the bike and just drive away. Is he trying to get out of the Matrix? Like, what? who is he yeah. calling? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused. Like, what friends does this guy have? Please, I've been riding yeah. this bike for 60 <laughs> years. <laughs> like, there's just a lot of questions here. John looks down and Linda crawls out of the car with her voice echoey. She tells John that Kane has a job for him. She crawls into view from behind the car door and we see that her head is right side up, but her body is spider crawling backwards. She giggles as she turns her body the right way, making her head upside down. John just gets in the car and drives away. Yeah, just leaves her ass <laughs> there. He should have left her and hops shit. in. Yeah. yeah. And I will say it looked very creepy until she turned around. I like yeah, it. I'm, I, I like I it. I did like it, but you could clearly tell that it was a mask on somebody. It, yes. It, yeah. They said it was a contortionist with a uh, Linda mask on. Yeah. Well, when she turned over, you saw the hair. Yeah, that's what it was. Like, and where the mask's in. Yeah. Well, you know? So I'm like, just leave it. Yeah, because it looked cool as yes. shit at the way first. She w- yeah. yeah, yeah. The spider walk. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the second she turned around, I'm like, yeah. nah. <laughs> John's like, I'm not even scared anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're just wearing a mask. Right. See, I knew it was a stunt. <laughs> as John drives, we still hear Linda giggling as the yellow lines in the road begin to glow. Suddenly, he's driving right back toward that mob. John drives away again, chalking all of this up to a few wrong turns. Nah. John. Yeah. As he speeds down the road, he sees flashes of light. Once his eyes focus, he sees Linda riding on the back of Bicycle Boy's bike. <laughs> Bicycle Boy's like, yeah. we're an item now. You had your chance. <laughs> right, you how see how like she can bend? Right, you fucked up. <laughs> that is... <laughs> he, he passes and they stare at him, but he just keeps going. Linda giggles again and the yellow lines glow and John is right back where he was driving up to the crowd and Hobbs end. This happens one more time. This time John floors it toward the crowd. They part out of the way revealing Linda trying not to hit her. John swerves and crashes into another car and passes out against his steering wheel. This may be unpopular. Hit her. <laughs> Hit her. <laughs> yeah. I, just run her over. I after all that she's done, mm-hmm. she was lot. literally just a spider monster. Yeah. It's a lot. She threw you again, she threw you out of the hotel room, yeah. which is that implies a lot of we super really, strength yeah. and <laughs> frightening things that we never even saw. She's gonna be fine. Yeah. yeah. And she's not really Linda anymore. Yeah. So I mean 
that I I put the same thing. I was like, <laughs> I I can understand you maybe turning your head away so you don't see what happens. Fair, but don't turn the car away. Just you know what I mean. Keep your hands ten and two. Just yeah. go straight. And you, yeah, just <laughs> whatever happens. Yeah, <laughs> just look away. <laughs> I'm just gonna drive my car like this, and if yeah. you get hit, yeah. that's it's your own fault. John wakes up in a confession booth. When he's unable to get out of it, he sits down and tries to light a cigarette, but the match won't light. Suddenly, a bright light flashes outside the booth and Sutter Kane says that the problem with places like this and with religion in general is it's never known how to convey the anatomy of horror. Religion seeks discipline through fear, but it doesn't understand the true nature of creation. This is because no one ever believed it enough to make it real, but that's where his books are different. He's got a point. I mean... John says that Sutter Kane's books aren't real, but Kane argues that he sold over a billion copies translated into 18 languages. His books are more believed in than the Bible is. Pulling a John Lennon. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> bigger than Jesus, baby. John asks him what the point is, and Kane laughs, telling him he already knows it. John rationalizes that there must be an explanation for what happened tonight, but Kane just finds this amusing. John says that his books suck (laughs) and the light flashes again. Kane's like, you just need to read the new one. The others had an effect, sure, but this one will drive you absolutely mad. The power comes from the new readers and the new believers and it will get the world ready for the change. Belief is the entire point. When people can't distinguish between fiction and reality, the old ones can begin their journey back. And the more people who believe, the faster their journey will be. The light flashes again and suddenly Kane is in the booth behind John. He asks if John wants to see before grabbing his head and pressing his face against the wall of the booth. John gets flashes of blood, the cards in the bike, Linda, he falls to the floor. Made him sit on his lap and everything. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I mean, what a power move. Yeah. That's a lot. Wait, I, what are we? <laughs> I was laughing because I'm like, you're talking about the old ones coming back to reclaim yeah. everything. Doesn't that sound a little bit like a uh, certain cabin? And, uh, oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> Shit. I mean, yeah. I don't want to say anything. No, yeah. Just no, in doesn't. case you haven't listened to the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But now they're back in Kane's fleshy writer room. He finishes typing before taking the paper and adding it to the stack. He proclaims that he's done within the mouth of madness. But Linda already read the ending. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Well, he writes backwards. Let's not, yeah. look- <laughs> Let's not look too close. Mm. Kane hands the book to John, telling him it's going to be John's job to deliver it because he's going to be with his new publishers. Linda stands behind him. Kane walks up to the flexing door, telling John that he's going to deliver the manuscript because that's what Kane has written. Just like this town didn't exist before he wrote it, John didn't either. (laughs) Vomit all over myself. I don't even know how to react to that. John defies this, saying that he knows what's real and what's not, and nobody's going to pull his strings. Kane tells him that that's why his agent attacked John in the first place. He read about him in In the Mouth of Madness. He'll bring the book back and he'll make the change. And what's happening in this town is going to happen everywhere. And the agent was trying to stop that. Unbelievable. Ah! Oh, wow. <laughs> why was he still shilling for his client? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I really just should have gotten with the chopper. Yeah, yeah let's so get fun. to it. <laughs> Old habits die hard. I guess so. He, he fucking flings a business card at him. Damn it, no, that's no, no, not sorry. I'm here. I'm here to kill you. John says that he's not fiction, but Kane says, I think, therefore, you are. 
He invites John to read the book and see what's in store for him. But John says that he knows what he is. Kane tells him to go back to his world and a tunnel opens up behind John. Kane goes to the flexing door and urges John to leave because he can't hold them back any longer. John watches as Kane grabs his own face and rips himself down the middle like a piece of paper. Behind him, a hole in the door rips with words from Kane's book on the other side coming through. That's brilliant. It's oh, yeah. so funny. Oh, looked, yeah. When he ripped his own face, I was like, fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it really looked like paper. Like, it I did. don't know. Oh, no, yeah. This was the other thing done by ILM. Mm-hmm. That, it, it's, that looked really good. Yeah, it did. Yeah. The thing was is that I read and I saw in this video, uh, Chris Stuckman had a gentleman on his yeah, yeah, show yeah. and they were talking about mm-hmm. it. But he had said that this was not what was supposed to happen originally. Huh. They had written in the script, I guess, that some like evil like black sludge right was supposed to just pour out of the church and it was supposed to kind of chase Trent John, yeah like out and oh. because the budget wouldn't allow for right. it they decided to do this which i feel is a million times better oh, yeah. yeah and i think they um said they would have liked to see it the other way because i watched that stuckman video yeah i think really? like a week ago and they're like that would have been better and i'm like i don't i don't think, know about I, that. I, think no. I disagree i think you know i what? love how this looks oh, yeah what sells it is the words on the other side yeah yeah like that is just the visual of it it's frightening and right. john has just been told you merely exist before i wrote you mm-hmm. and then he's ripping it up like you're this is how thin your reality is it's, yeah it's pages i don't know that's fucking yeah. scary well, his words are on one side and yes. the reality's yes. on the other yeah ah! wow. <laughs> <laughs> so scary it's it's very terrifying and it also goes into what she had said in the car how thin yes yeah yeah it is yeah But John approaches the rip and Linda reads exactly what he's doing from Kane's book, even describing the shrieking of the creatures on the other side. I think this is Lovecraft as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She describes the creatures rushing up at John, invading his world. But John's done. He backs away from the rip and asks Linda to come with him. I I don't know why you're still trying to get this woman. Yeah. She's she's gone. She threw you out of the room. room. (laughs) (laughs) Very violently. Like we forget. She tells him that she can't go because she's already read the book all the way to the end. John starts to run down the tunnel back to his own world just as creatures come spilling out of the rip. They run after him and when John falls, they descend on him. But John opens his eyes on a road outside of Hobbs End completely unharmed. So first of all, I love how you don't really see the creatures. Yeah. Yeah. Like completely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the. it's just a like very smart idea. Oh, yeah. You show too much and then you see how things work and you're like, yeah. that's not scary. No, you yeah. see just enough. Yeah. Like yeah. when she flipped over. Yeah. See, <laughs> I saw when the mask was attached. But I did have a couple of notes. The first is that they had said that the tunnel in the thing that he's running uh-huh. through. Yeah. That's the mouth of madness. Okay. And he said that they had done it through a force perspective shot. Right. Like it's only about 100 feet but then they put a wall in it, and so it looks like it goes on forever. Yeah, yeah, it does yeah. look like it goes on it forever. Does, it yeah. works perfectly. But the other thing that they said is that the monsters, you see that there are some that are articulated in the front. Yeah. But if you look behind, it's just like a wall of monsters. It was literally a wall of monsters that they built, uh. and where they were pushing it, I think it was, they said 20 to 30 people operating Holy it. Holy shit. Yeah. And it looks like it's this endless thing, yeah. but it's really just a wall. And it's like... That's cool. This is unbelievable. Yeah. It just works so well. And the thing is, is that if they had done a shot down the tunnel at them, 
it would have the illusion would have yeah, fallen apart for sure. But uh, the way they shoot and how they are like it's just perfect. They did a great job. Yeah. I'd be happy to, to wake up on the street, but I'd also be pissed. <laughs> I'd be like, there was monsters chasing yes, me. Dude, I know yeah. it. <laughs> Nobody's going to believe yeah, it. No, no, never. A paper boy played by Hayden Christensen yeah. Yeah. comes riding <laughs> up on his bike with cards in his spokes. He asks John if he's been in an accident and if he needs help. John says that he has, but he just needs to be pointed to the highway. The boy does this, and when John asks if he's ever heard of Hobbs End, the boy says no and rides away. First of all, I would have absolutely gotten a paper from him. Oh, yeah. I don't understand why he didn't get yeah. a paper. You boy, yeah. what, what day, day is, is it? it? Yeah. <laughs> why, today, sir, it's Christmas Day. <laughs> like, that's what I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> but but John has the a box containing the manuscript in it. Yeah. yeah. And he just drops it onto the road and walks away. He's like, hey, I kid, like, you want a book? I, I wouldn't want that to get into anybody's oh, hands. Fuck, you're right. Yeah. But he's just like, not my problem. <laughs> that was a weird setup, man. You guys are good. <laughs> it's like, what? It's like, I don't even see a door. <laughs> <laughs> After hitching a ride from a trucker, John ends up in a motel. After staying the night, he goes to the front desk to buy a newspaper, which you could have gotten from the paper boy. Yeah. <laughs> see? Yeah. But the desk clerk, played by Sean Roberge, tells him that he has a package. John says no one knows that he's here, but the clerk's like, someone does. Yeah. John takes the package back to his room. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm already laughing. <laughs> Nothing was written on it but John Trent on the front of it. He opens it, and it's the manuscript for In the Mouth of Madness. John goes back to the clerk <laughs> and grabs him by his shirt, yeah. demanding to know who delivered it. Yeah. But he just, he's like, I wasn't even here last night. <laughs> John continues to yell at him until an older man played by Robert Louis Bush comes out and was like, I was here last night and I didn't see shit. In his room, John burns the manuscript in the sink. I did want to point out on the TV in the hotel room, mm -hmm. there's a movie called Robot Monster. Yeah. yeah. It's apparently Carpenter, one of his favorites as a kid. Yeah. And so just like he did with the thing in Halloween. Yeah. yeah. He pops put it, it on the TV. All That's right, cute. Right. Um, didn't this moment until he got the manuscript kind of feel like the I was out? I, but, yes. Right? It but, did. You know, See, you're I, really... Uh, <laughs> I have this, the same thing. I was like, uh, he was out. I'm I was like, he was saying. out. <laughs> But next, we see him on a bus sitting next to a woman, old lady, played by Louise Beaven. Very good. Who is ranting about the Great Depression. He falls asleep, but when he wakes up, old lady is gone, and her seat is Sutter Kane. He tells John that he's not going anywhere because he's God now. He tells him that he can even make him believe. <laughs> All he has to do is look around when he wakes up and to know that Kane's favorite color is blue. John wakes up to find everything bathed yeah. in blue. He begins to scream. Then he wakes up again. We got another double dream. Uh, he wakes up again screaming. The people on the bus are like, man, you're just having a bad dream. Yeah. <laughs> so the dream where it was the blue hound bus. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a filter on the camera, but they literally replaced everything with blue. Oh, shit. What? Yeah. They put That's cool. like blue in people's hair. Yeah. All the seats are blue. The roof, everything. That's really yeah. cool. I like how he's like, Whoa! like his screams are like. <laughs> he powers up. Well, dude, he has not that's, had a break. Yeah, no, that's nonstop, has. just fuckery the whole time. But later, John speaks to Municipal Woman, played by Deborah Theaker, who flat out asks him if he's deaf and dumb. There never <laughs> was, is, or shall be a place called Hobbs Inn here ever. But like, shall mm. be, that's a lot. You don't know what's going John's like, let me speak to your yeah. supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> but he realizes he's gone a little. Yeah, yeah. even he every, knew. Yeah. <laughs> every, everyone in the building stares at him, so he just leaves. Yeah. <laughs> 
And what kind of customer <laughs> service is that? Are you, Are you deaf and dumb? dumb? It's like, Jesus Christ. Back on the street with the Hobbs End horror posters, John finally pulls it back to reveal a drawing of himself on the cover of the book. You should have done that, man. Yeah. He rounds oh. the corner into the alley, but it's empty. So that is one thing I forgot to point out earlier is that they only had one night mm. to film in this alley. And so every single thing that you see, because this is a real alley yeah, yeah. in Toronto. And so every single scene of the alley you see, they filmed in one night. Oh, shit. I, I appreciate that because you kind of get that feeling of like over and over yeah, and over, like yeah. deja vu almost. Yeah. And it works. It just oh, works. Oh, yeah. At Arcane Publishing, we come in after John has explained the sequence of events to Harglow, who recommends that he write it all down and sell it. Harglow asks if John has ever heard of Kane's books and the effect that they have on their readers. John says that Linda told him this, but Harglow doesn't even know who Linda is. He insists that he sent John off alone. Why wouldn't he remember her? John's like, oh, she was written out. Yeah. <laughs> See, he sounds crazy. Yeah, he does. But, but yeah, she was in an earlier yeah. draft. Yeah. Harglow thinks that John was affected by the book that he read, but John says that everything he said is true. That's why he had to destroy the manuscript. Harlow calls bullshit on this. John personally delivered that manuscript to him last spring. In the Mouth of Madness has been in the stores for seven weeks. Harglow shows him a copy of the book. Oh, my God. John asks if he's read it, but Harglow says that he doesn't have the stomach for Kane's books. John pleads with him to pull it from the shelves. This book is going to drive people crazy. Harglow says that he hopes so because the movie comes out next month. <laughs> that was a fast production. Yeah. yeah. John backs away from him, knocking his chair over. And it's really a little late to pull the books. Yeah. Been in the store for seven weeks. They yeah, were already... done. They were rioting before it was even <laughs> yeah. finished. For the advanced fucking yeah, sales. No sh- <laughs> we see a frenzied line of people waiting outside a bookstore as a reporter says that the believed posthumous latest novel from Sutter Kane is number one on the bestsellers list. And it's expected to break every record. John walks up to the window of the bookstore and sees a cardboard cutout of himself with the display. <laughs> window teen, played by Mark Adrians, comes out of the store reading in the mouth of madness. And he's like reading in the middle. It's like, yeah. you did not get that far. <laughs> Stop it right liar. now. John stops and asks if he likes it. The boy's irises look fractured and he's bleeding from one eye, but he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. John's like, well, this shouldn't come as a surprise then. He takes an ax out of his coat and raises it. He strikes the boy and everyone in line starts screaming. So did he actually murk that kid? Yeah. Well, he was written to do it. Oh, yeah. fuck. This is, this is a yeah. lot. <laughs> so, I mean, well, he was written to deliver the book. So now is he like, now I got to kill everyone who's ever read yeah. the book? Oh, but what if that's know. in the book? Yeah. I don't know. He hasn't read it. Yeah. No? I don't, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Back in the padded room, John tells Dr. Wren that it's spreading out there, isn't it? Dr. Wren says that just because John knows the symptoms, that doesn't mean his story is true. John says this is Kane's story and it will spread with each new reader. That's what gives it its power. Dr. Wren asks, what about the people who don't read? And John's like, there's the movie. Dr. Wren shuts off his tape recorder and says that he's leaving, but he'll be back. John tells him no rush because now it's safer in here. Out there, it's only going to get worse because every species can smell its own extinction. And 10 years or less, the human race is going to be nothing but a bedtime story or a myth. Dr. Wren just leaves. <laughs> he's like, you're a fucking bummer, dude. He's like, God damn. I got a, you know, I got a rest of the day yeah. after this. <laughs> <laughs> Outside the room, Saperstein asks if John had anything to say, but Dr. Wren says that he was useless. He thinks that her cane is causing an epidemic. As he walks away, Saperstein asks him, 
do you read Center Gain? He's, like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, do you read Center Gain? And Dr. N just walks away without answering. Back in his room, John hears screaming and growling as the storm continues. He sits up in his bed and looks around fearfully. Through his window, he sees shadows of people being ripped apart, but suddenly everything stops. Just as he breathes a sigh of relief, the door to his room begins to shake before being ripped open. John steps out to find the entire hospital in disarray. No one is around. Somebody walks behind him. Yeah. And, like and a, we like never. No. Like, who yeah. the fuck was that? <laughs> it was just a jump scare. It's yeah. not <laughs> But John goes over to the circulation desk, which has bloody handprints on it. He just picks up a towel and starts to clean his face. So did the patients or did monsters eat those staff or what? I mean, I, I guess. Think, well, because uh, there's like book. It looks like book pages on right, the floor. Right, right. Uh-huh. So I don't know if like the staff was reading it or if people just busted in the head read uh, it. I don't know. Well, don't we see shadows and shit? Yeah. Yeah. So like and but the shit we hear on the radio is like they're turning into monsters yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. <laughs> so I'm like, this is a lot. That's yeah. a lot. It's a whole lot. But John walks past an ambulance outside where the radio speaks of mass murders and people turning into creatures. We see the marquee in the mouth of madness with John Trent as John walks past the theater. He looks at the movie poster. It's him with the creature next to him and the black church behind him. And if you look underneath, it fucking says directed by John Carpenter. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's unbelievable. It's got like everyone. So, I mean, it kind of is one of the most frightening endings you can think yeah, of. Yeah, 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 because now we watched it. Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, it's too late. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the radio asks for anyone who is unaffected to take shelter immediately and to not trust anyone. John walks into the theater with a big bucket of popcorn. He watches himself on the screen, screaming in his padded room that he's not insane, screaming himself awake on the bus next to the old lady, him screaming that this isn't reality, smash cut with him calmly saying, this is reality. <laughs> We see shots that we've seen throughout the whole film and John just laughs. Like he starts laughing and then he's laughing Mm. hysterically and then he's like laughing and crying. And then the theme plays and it cuts to black. I will say that the cut of the film that he watched isn't as good as the one we did. No, it's almost like... It's it's become a comedy for him. (laughs) (laughs) But wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask, what did you guys think of In the Mouth of Madness? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's all over the place, but it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. I think that the thing about it is that there's so much that is not understandable. Right. And then there's other things that are, I guess, not necessarily weird for the sake of weird or anything. Right. But I feel like the more you think about some of the things that they show you, the scarier they can kind of get. Right. For sure. Yeah. So it's one of those films to marinate on. Now, We've had some like a bit of a break from recording. Yeah. So in order to get prepared for this recording, I watched the film like four or five times. (laughs) (laughs) And every single time I watched it, I kind of came away with something different. Yeah. Yeah. Or or, like learned something new that I had not even thought or considered. Uh And so, I mean, any film that can do that, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it gets better for me every time that I watch it. Mm -hmm. But I love it. I mean, I love that not all of it makes sense. I love that we got tricked into watching the shit that's supposed to melt our brains and turn <laughs> yeah. us into monsters. I just, it's genius in the way that it's presented because mm-hmm. it's like, I could see somebody sitting and watching this and being like, that was trash. That made no fucking sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, they wouldn't be wrong. No. Like if you just look at it very surface, it it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> but just the fact that they, 
like Linda was written out, we never see her again. Like yeah. she's just gone. There's no happy ending. There's no, no, I'm not. And then going back to what she said in the car about how lonely it would be to be the last one left. John's like, fuck it. I'm just going to watch it. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just, it's so sad. With my popcorn. With yeah. my popcorn. <laughs> with the, a big ass thing of popcorn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Free refill. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's really sad for somebody who was so jaded and cynical that it was almost like a, if you can't beat him, join him type of a thing yeah i I think it's brilliant i think this is a really brilliant film that nobody's talking about no and it's the thing is is that it's such a nightmare for him specifically based on how important independence and free will was to him yes yeah now it's just gone and so like like you said fuck it yeah i'll watch the movie yeah and then I, I say all this building it up because I do think it's a brilliant film, but there are some moments, man, where I was fucking, it makes me laugh every single time. Like John Trent is fucking hilarious. Like he's yeah. ridiculous. Throughout. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I, they, they make some choices. Right. I think some of those, the the moments that are supposed to be funny, I would like to believe that they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he knew he was like, that's gonna be fucking hilarious. One would hope. Yeah. Like the monster saying fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like who is that for? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that brings us to ratings. Mm-hmm. Um this one is for me, it's a little difficult to yeah. rate. Uh because like I said, I can see how somebody else could watch this and and not and I could be giving the three of us could be giving it too much credit. Right. Like I don't I <laughs> honestly I don't care because I get a lot of enjoyment every time I watch this, but is it a perfect film or anything like that? Definitely no. not. No. Um is it John Carpenter's best film or anything like that? No. no. <laughs> but I mean, holy shit, is it fun? Yeah. Is it unique in the way that it tells the story? Mm-hmm. Like you get so engrossed in John's descent into everything when he goes back to the padded room at the end. It's like, oh shit, like that's yeah. how you ended up. You were telling us how you ended up here, but you forget. I don't know. It, it's just so good. And <laughs> No, you're so right. Cause I'm like, how's he going to get out yeah. of this one? <laughs> like, wait, no, he's fucking in the no, thing. Yeah. We already knew. Yeah. But that's how engrossing it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say enough about Sam Neill. <laughs> like I just yeah. really, his commitment to a role mm-hmm. is just... I feel like he's very underrated and it makes me sad because uh, this movie, if I cannot imagine anybody else <laughs> being cast <laughs> as John Trent. Not I just at can't. All, no. But on a scale of one to 10 best selling brainwashing books, <laughs> I'm going to give in the mouth of madness, 8.5 out of 10 best selling brainwashing books. Wow. I all really, right. really love this movie. I know I liked it when I was younger. I feel like I only appreciate it more as I get older and the more times I watch it because it's like so much shit in the runtime. I know we already talked about it, but there's just not one wasted moment of chaos (laughs) (laughs) in this movie. But I will now shut up and open up the floor. Um, I think we've all kind of expressed how much we really enjoyed this movie. I don't want to compare, but I feel like the shenanigans in this movie are more understandable than the shenanigans in Mothman Prophecy. <laughs> so that's already a plus. <laughs> uh, but, but I do really enjoy this movie for just everything that it is. I, I, like you said, babe, I know it's not perfect, but it's a good movie. Like mm-hmm. I do enjoy it. Sam Neill is great. Everyone in this movie is fucking great. That's what it is for me. It's like, and there is no one character wasted. 
You know what I mean? Like even the paper boy, he did fine. And that was just his one shot. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? And he did his purpose. Cool. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the next scene. I, like I said, I did enjoy this when I was younger. I do enjoy it now. So I hope my score isn't a little high, but uh, <laughs> I did enjoy the shit out of this. And I probably will watch this again sometime For soon. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and all the 1408 talk just makes me want to go watch 1408 <laughs> now. <laughs> um, but on a scale from one to 10, best selling brainwashing books. I'm going to give In the Mouth of Madness a nine. Wow. I, wow. Like, I really, and it's, it's, I, like I said, I hope that the moments that were funny were supposed to be funny <laughs> because they're fucking hilarious. But not only that, something from 94 that I watched when I was, what, a tw- uh, 10, 10 years old? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I remembered, and it's not even like, what is that part? Maybe 45 an hour into the movie yeah. with the lady. Well, it's after mm-hmm. shit started going I, All crazy. that has stuck with me since I was 10. That's got to mean so something. So there's no way I can be like, oh, no, this movie's good, but I can give it a 7.5. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to me, I feel like a nine is is where I want to stay because yeah. it did. It has stuck with me that long. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just the craziest shit. It is. But uh, I mean, I guess if you uh, you can make sense of it, if he sold more books than God and he's God. No, no. He's controlling everything. <laughs> this is, is what that, it is. Just, is that all it is? I, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know the fucking New York <laughs> Times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I guess. <laughs> that's all it takes. I guess that's how it works. I, don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> it's like, I sold more books. Now I take over. So that's yeah. me. Yeah, well, man. you write a better book then. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like fuck. But no, I I agree with both of you. I I think this is like a really really good, often overlooked film. Yeah. And the thing, one thing that I really want to do now is I want to watch the whole Apocalypse trilogy back to back. I was just thinking that. Do us a little triple feature, but. I think that there are like flashes of real greatness in this movie. Oh yeah. Uh, positive side, of course, Sam Neill, mm-hmm. just the best. I feel like he shows up more than anyone in almost <laughs> yeah. everything. In everything oh, he's yeah. in. Yeah, he yes. brings the ruckus and he means business. But I also got to call out Carpenter's direction, cinematography, yeah, music, yeah, fantastic. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised at this point. No. Yeah. Even though it was a little different at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the set design, very interesting premise. Right. And the ending is one of the most like brutal and brilliant things yeah. ever. On the negative side, I do have to say there is kind of an odd execution to some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't need everything explained to me, but there are some things that I would like at least a little crumb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what the fuck is the bicycle boy? Why is he on the phone? <laughs> like, right. You know, I want to know. No, Why yeah. Is he on the phone? Just a little bit more to know, like, the history of it. And maybe she could have said, you know, on the way to Hobbs Inn, there's a fucking thing yeah. from the book. It's in the book or whatever. I don't know. Maybe that would have been too much. No, yeah, yeah. But I think that, honestly, I, I this might be a little unpopular. I think my one thing that I would change is I think I want maybe a little bit more of a charismatic actor playing Sutter Kane. I feel like Sutter Kane's a little boring. Yeah, he's a, he's a little stale. I will say that the buildup of him is definitely bigger than the reveal yeah, of him. No, I'm expecting yeah. to see. You I know. did like the moments of him being like, "My favorite color is blue, bitch." Yeah. Like, yeah. I like that. You know who I want to be Sutter Kane? Jeff Goldblum. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's who I want to be. Stephen King. <laughs> no shit. Uh, Jeff Goldblum can play anybody, but yeah. I think that Sutter Kane would have been great if he were played by Christopher Walken. 
Oh my. my. Christopher Walken is, wait, wait, is weird. Wait, wait. It's just weird enough. Because yeah. you would really be leaning into all of this yeah. by no, casting him. Oh, no. My yeah, favorite I, but color I, is blue. I feel like the problem with that. I was sent to write <laughs> a book and now the town is real. <laughs> <laughs> You're like what? Like I would love the fuck yeah, out of that. It might have been too much. I feel like the only problem with that is he might overshadow Sam Neil. I would love to would see them. Oh man, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Sam Neil's got the scream. That's too wow. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> but it would have been fitting for these two. Oh, larger no, than forces. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But with this, uh, nothing against Jurgen Prock now. Yeah, I'm sure no, he's great. But I think I just wanted a more larger than life character actor. Oh, no, yeah, I can agree with that. <laughs> but uh, I know we can't go back and change yeah. that. <laughs> but I think that it is what you're saying is the buildup of him. It doesn't satisfy. Yeah. It's just like, well, okay. I'm like, oh, I guess it's just some guy. All yeah. right, cool. But uh, no, uh, long story short, I do love this movie. And the fact that I could watch it five times in the span of mm. two weeks yeah. and oh, not yeah. get tired of it. Yeah. That means something. So I got to say on a scale of one to 10 best-selling brainwashing books, I am going to give In the Mouth of Madness eight best-selling brainwashing books out of 10. All right. I, I think this film is much more deserving of being in the conversation yeah. because it's so interesting. It is. And creative. Oh, yeah. It's very different. You've never seen this before. No. And yeah. you will never see no, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's what I'm saying. Like It, it, it was... Yeah, we all love Mothman, but mm -hmm. that was fucking just, you know what I mean? That was just confusing. They were you throwing a lot at the wall. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot going on. And, and then this one, only being an hour and, and what'd you say, a half or an hour yeah, 38 or something? Yeah, an hour something. 30 something, yeah. I mean, you get a lot of shit accomplished. And then it, I, 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 me, but I feel like even this back and forth is easier to follow than Mothman or the, <laughs> and even look, even him and Linda, yeah, there was a little whatever on his end, flirting or whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was no hookup. No. And fucking Mothman, one episode he's meeting the lady, and the next they're naked. I love and that it's you're, like, you're, you're not you're even just chosen to compare this to Mothman. Yeah, I well, <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of another movie that does That's the fuckery like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually want to piggyback on what you just said because I feel like in another movie he would be. Well, okay, okay. Like, cause he was yeah. flirting with her at the beginning, but he's like, no, bitch, I'm fucking leaving. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you're trying to kiss on me or anything. Yeah. I'm gone. Well, there's a weird bit in Halloween 3 that's kind of similar to going to a town to discover things. Yeah. And just out of nowhere, he's banging. Yeah. It, <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Uh, like, what? I don't. I'm not saying it doesn't Tom happen. Right. I mean, come on. I, that's, dude. That's, something, <laughs> that's something different. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate in the Mouth of Madness and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, in a world full of chaos and uncertainty, the line between fact and fiction may be thinner than we all think. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for our thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Woo, thank yeah. you. Yeah. We yeah. love you. Do you read Center Game? <laughs> <laughs> I just had to do one more. I okay. know. I'll probably do one more. <laughs> <laughs> A special thank you to 
Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Melanie Van Heusden, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis Anissa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Mandy, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Linda, Sydney Smith, Asvaldo Soto, Jonathan Booth, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Aggie, William Berry, Brittany, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Garrett Rogers, Jordan Roberts, Danielle Peralta, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Alex Schultz, Jordan Blevins, Michelle Moore, and Liz Heath. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yes, I'm out of breath, you. and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. We very yeah. much appreciate you. We see you. Yeah. Nah. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. What? Yeah, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we're we're starting a book club, and so we, we just have one <laughs> <laughs> question. <laughs> Do you read better <laughs> <laughs> We appreciate you sticking with us because our show has been known to have an effect on less stable listeners. <laughs> you know, fuck you guys. <laughs> a bit long, that. <laughs> but it was said in the movie. It yeah. was said in the movie. Until next time. <laughs>